Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey everyone, welcome to 2023. That sounds like the future, but it's not present. Uh, the first Awards Radar podcast episode of the new year, and the gang is all here. Uh, Miles returned from his espionage mission uh, across the pond. I did, yes. It turned out that somebody else beat me to the queen, but, uh, you know, I'm, I, I decided <laughs> to just make the most of the sightseeing. Sure, sure. For for king and country now. Exactly. Uh, and uh, Steve, you are back as well. I'm back and I'm awake. There you go. Uh, thanks to Ryan and Mark for holding down the fort last week. Um that was, uh, we spent a long time talking about top 10 lists, but not surprising. Um, interesting to get their takes. Um, not a ton of crossover, but some. So that was, that was interesting. Um, Miles Joachim would be pleased to know. I think they, they both were very high in decision to leave, having like recently seen it. Oh, well, so rightly was, uh, so. Yeah, recency bias, perhaps. But also it was just interesting to hear Mark talk about that because, you know, maybe not the movie you would initially like pinpoint as one of his movies, but. It was cool. So um, we're going to see how much we can cram in today. Hopefully talk about movies to look forward to this year. Uh, talk about my awards. And everyone has uh, caught up on some things to see. So we have we have plenty to do. Let's, uh, let's check one of our questions first. In the meantime, quickly, how was, uh, how was Christmas for everyone? And, and various holiday New Year's type plans. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, we, uh, we went to jolly old England with the, uh, family and, uh, my brother and sister-in-law both showed up already sick. So we all just took turns being sick over the course of the two weeks or so. Um, and I'm still recovering from that. So thanks a lot, friends and family, but otherwise the actual holiday was really lovely. Yeah, same. I, uh, I believe I caught the flu right before Christmas. Not that I, I celebrated, but most of the last two weeks were spent, uh, being fairly miserable but you know such is such is life nothing nothing equates with the misery of waking up to make your sundance schedule and then the website not working but that's a that's a yearly occurrence just like uh, the holiday season that was uh it was very funny actually quickly that for a minute you know you're like eh fuck sundance because you're like i don't how many of these things are going to be worth it right and then it starts working you're like all right i'll just put a couple things in uh, fast forward 15 minutes later when I'm like, okay, I think I got all the things I'm interested in. I put in for 29 movies. Well, there you go. Yeah. Which, and I really wanted 30 because the John Carney movie got announced today. Yeah. As we're recording that it was going only in person, which I choose to mean is like a show of like some sort of confidence. Well, and it's got some names I mean? in it. I, I, I can see why they would oh, push I'm, it. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, we always kind of talk about as, like, he'd be great in a musical, like, or, or more musicals. Like, he's a good fit for John Carney, I think. Oh, totally. I think he'll knock it out of the park. Yeah. I uh, I was surprised that one of the movies that was not meant to be online was available online. So I will be seeing Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg movie, which I... I I don't know what to think about. Did you see Possessor? Yeah, I liked it in theory, but I think it went a little too hard on the gore, which coming from me, yeah. that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it kind of feels like you're watching Son of Cronenberg. Very much so. And maybe yeah, not which to as sense. much of an extreme as antiviral, but very much in the same ballpark. 
I like Possessor better. Antiviral I, I do too, but impenetrable. Uh, antiviral has that Diet Cronenberg feel maybe a bit more, whereas Possessor feels like a step towards him doing his own thing. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm ever so slightly concerned about Infinity Pool. Not necessarily in terms of quality, because I, I trust that it'll be interesting at the very least. But it is coming out like shortly after Sundance, which is sometimes not the best sign. But also they, they gave a, a warning that I didn't love. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll give you like the, the strobe light warning or whatnot. Mm. Um, this one... I will find it for you right now because I was, I was like, um, come again? Because, so, the, this year's Sundance is kind of low profile in terms of things with big names necessarily. So, this Infinity Pool is kind of one of the higher profile things, it seems like. Or at least things that everyone is interested in or even just, like, are aware of, right? Mm. So, you know, they have their whole synopsis, blah, blah, blah. Audience advisory, the film contains strobe effects, it's all that. And then the film contains graphic depictions of animal abuse, sexual violence, and other subject matter. Mm. Uh, Bring the family. Uh, yeah, I was like, so all I, all I kind of know about the movie is like they're on like a like resort, right? And they go off to like do something outside the resort and it's weird, right? That's kind of like what the setup. Uh, something, there's like something weird with the town and then like Alexander Skarsgård's a writer of some kind and like he has to get himself duplicated because he broke the law or something happens. Uh, he runs someone yeah, over. Yeah, there's something about like, yeah, the, well, this says they're, they're introduced to a perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism. I, it sounds like something wild is going to be in there. I think, but, I think Mia Goth yeah. is going to choose some scenery and I don't know about the rest Possibly of it. More. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. So I was like, I definitely want to watch it. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I don't I don't love that. Well, well I especially don't like I'm those myself. different things in combination with each other. That too. I mean, I'm, I'm wildly on the record with a movie loses a half star most of the time when it kills an animal for no reason. Because there's never really a good reason. Like, you got to go to like John Wick length, uh, you know, mm. length to, to be like... All right, I kind of get it. Even that one, I, like, you, you didn't have to. Old Yeller had a good reason. Sure, but that's that's a movie like based around building up to that. You know, like I like same thing. Like I don't, like, I don't give like what was it, like the art of racing in the rain or like um, a dog's way home. Those like doggy tearjerker type movies. Like that's different because you're basically treating it like a character and you're you're investing ninety minutes and like. The fate of this animal—it's building up to make you cry, like a like a Marley and me or something like that. Right. But I think more of like um, the mildest of spoilers for Megan, which we'll talk about later. Like Megan uh, goes after an animal in the movie. I'm like, this is no reason. Like I hate when it's a horror movie trip. A lot of times, like, oh, you know the villain's bad because they killed the cat, you know, right, or the dog or the or the bird. I'm like, but why? There's another yeah. shitty person somewhere in the movie. But I think there's. Which but is, I think that the, the reason is is that it affects people because. Yeah. Some people don't care about other people, and they, you know, and they and they're sick of mankind. But if you hate animals, then they're, I don't know. Yeah, you're you're a serial killer. So yeah. they do that to 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 strike you know to strike deep. Oh yeah, I just I, I it's just a thing in the same yeah. way that everyone has the, has their thing. Like uh, just, I understand. You know, oh yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with, with EO. Yeah, you know, like like, but that's a movie where I feel like I. 
you kind of invest in the character, but I don't feel like the movie's playing fair with the character. I mean, we're we're kind of in the minority here. People love that movie, but like, well, yeah, um, that's very was, much a you're either on its wavelength or you're not kind of movie. Yeah, and then how they opt to end that movie, well, reasonably close to the the inspiration. It's not really source material. Still, just as like, well, why did I watch this? Like, what do you, what am I meant to take from this besides life is cool? I suppose. You know, it's like a supposedly optimistic movie. I don't know, whatever. Um, here, let's uh, let's take a question. Actually, Steve, how was how was your holiday quickly? It was good. Just not long enough. Too? No, uh, I was not sick. I was just oh. um, busy. Got a new kitten, as we discussed, and that kept me busy. Yeah, which which, which can we can we? I, I noticed the name is not Doctor Pussy. <laughs> well, it is, but we just have to, you know, we have to not. Which, use by that the way, the, um, the prior. Um, Kayfley question, which I'll look up in a minute. I believe was asking our favorite moments from the podcast over the last year, which was funny because it was Ryan and Mark. I was like, I don't know, the twice they were on last year is probably <laughs> going to be their picks. Um, but I, Doctor Pussy was this year, right? Yeah, because yeah. or was it late last year? Because it was no, it was this year. It was probably after it was this year because it was after Bond, right? We it was mm-hmm. couple, it was far enough after Bond that we were talking about. The next, uh, there was it was it was a tangent. Like there wasn't like a good discussion point that got us there. We were just kind of. I think yeah. we we ended up on Bond movies, and then it came out of something about that. Oh yeah. Well, I assumed that uh, that Miles, your your pick was uh, retiring Kevin Spicy. But if you have another option, you're welcome to to bring it up. Oh God. Um. But that's really that's one of them, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. No, I'm. I'll, I'll cop to that. Um, oh, I don't know. Every episode is my favorite episode. There was one episode that w- it went it off the rails the not, too, not too long no, ago. No, no, actually, actually, Steve is totally right. The uh, the one where we all, like, fucking lost it. That was the yeah. best one. That was, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, like, went back and listened to it as soon as it went up because it was just too <laughs> funny. There, there, there are occasions where, I think, with most podcasts, especially ones where the same people are doing them and it's largely based on personality, where those are kind of those kind of are the best. Where it's like, what the, what are you talking about? I don't care. I'm just, I, I want to hear this insane conversation. That's that's as much as you know our initial thoughts on the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You know, I think the best uh, podcasts are the ones that you feel like you're in the room with the people. You've you've oh, yeah. listened to them so long that you know them that you feel like you know where those odd tangents are going. Oh, yeah. If, uh, and if you Miles enjoy the ride. I got you sick. You know why. There you go. Yeah. You're in the room with us. Um, so, yeah. So, carefully, we kind of answered that question. Um, their question for this week actually was, if best scene and best poster were categories at the Oscars, who would you nominate this year? Which I guess was kind of like, what would you nominate? But uh, posters and scenes, what strikes you? Uh, I saw that he asked this question, and I meant to, like, look up some examples, and I totally forgot to do that. I am um, going to look up some posters right now. There's an IndieWire article that I'll cheat from. I mean, my two favorite scenes of the year are probably a tie between the rock scene from Everything Everywhere and Natu mm-hmm. um, Natu from RRR. Sure. I think my I think the Judd Hirsch scene in, in The Fablemans is still one of my favorites. Such a just like banger of like acting. That's a really good Someone one. Like I really like the um, the conversation with the bully at the lockers from The Fablemans too. Oh, yeah. Well, the Fablemans has so many good scenes. Yeah, it's 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 kind of just a movie of scenes, um, or like Michelle Williams watching the movie. Yeah, in the closet. 
even though the scene of her dancing is still like great, it's just re recontextualized in a great way. Um, the cut to Justin Long and Barbarian is really good. Yes, that yeah, transition wait, is what, amazing. What, what are we watching? Um, I mean, there you know, the, there's there's also stuff that like there there's I don't know. I I, I could take stuff from Clerks Three, but like I I think this year has also had a lot of movies that unlike the Fablemans are great, but don't necessarily have a centerpiece scene. You know, like I really like she said, but I couldn't tell you the scene. Oh, I can. It's the Samantha Morton scene. Sure. But there's all the people who like the Jennifer Ely scene where she's on the phone and is like, Oh, fuck you guys. Um, I'm going to go do it. Oh, you know, what was a good poster. I'm looking at this, not necessarily movie people like, and miles didn't even watch it, but the poster for blonde, the like close up on her face. That's a pretty good like. Right. It's a it's a very evocative poster. Well, uh, like real quick, thing. going back to to scenes, uh, the nope scene. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to give it away just in case people haven't seen it. But there's a big scene that has uh, Stephen Yun looking up to the skies, and yeah, pretty soon sure. that scene is kind of traumatic, and it's it's a it's a whole bunch of everything, and it's I think Can it's I... so well done. Can I cheat and say the party scene in Babylon? Which uh, one? Yeah. Well, the opening. The the initial, like... Sure. Well, we'll get into Babylon later on, but there's some oh, good. scenes We're gonna that, get to that, that are strong contenders for best of the year. Yeah. Also, also good poster. The one of, like, her being, yeah. like, like, crowd surfing, essentially. Yeah, it's a very right. good job of explaining... It's not... It's, it's, good, it's a good indication of the movie you're watching. Um, I'm just... Oh, the poster for Men of just the tunnel. That was really good. Um, it also, doesn't it kind of look like a skeleton, like uh, like a skull, if you look at it the right way? Yeah. No, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, Everything Everywhere had the good, like, kaleidoscope kind of effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pearl had a pretty solid poster. Yep. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of these. Barbarian, There's... nice and simple and evocative. Yeah. There weren't a ton of, of, like, just amazing posters. Not that they're not good, because I'm looking through this list, and none of them are bad. But there weren't, I don't know, there wasn't necessarily like, I gotta buy that poster type feeling. Sometimes that's, maybe Batman, did Batman have any good ones? The the Batman will, it's one of those movies where it had like 20 posters, but I remember a few of them being really solid. Um, Even the floating head one was like kind of a cut above that kind of thing. Um, Decision to leave. I was just about to say Decision to leave has a lot of like, Mm -hmm. it's like subtle in the ways that like, especially when you know some of the imagery from the film, it kind of is doing some clever things. And Fire of Love, I know people like that poster. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Corsage. Uh, sure, she's giving the finger. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone listed Vengeance, I like that. I, yeah, no, that's a good one. It's well, there's, there's the like one a, that's like the cowboy hat uh, over the thing. Yeah. The one that's just a, a picture of BJ Novak's face is kind of whatever. But. Uh, yeah, that, that one, um, and the Tara one people like of her conducting. Yeah. Nope. That one. Nope has a good sure. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sim- did, uh, similar is the uh, there's another one. Um, what is it? Don't worry, darling. There we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't worry, darling. Darling. That has. Well, a- it, it does make. I. I. I, I was going to jokingly say that she get like best scene ones, not best, but why was there scenes that uh, Miles and I spent a long time talking about on that episode? Oh boy. I, I. Oh, I'm still that movie. Somebody told me. I don't remember who I was talking to about it. Where I was just like, I think they were like, I kind of liked it, and I was like cool i have one request of you and they're like what i was like what the fuck is the point of the airplane 
<laughs> and you can see them going, oh, crap, I don't like this movie anymore. It's like, I didn't mean to, like, ruin the movie for you, but, like, or, like, why did, I don't know, I don't need to get it. We, we know my myriad logic issues with that movie. Oh, this was a good poster. Crimes of the Future with the ear on someone's chest. Yeah, that's a good one. Again, sort of evocative. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know that there was a signature poster this year, which is fine. I mean, the, the, the Batman posters that were, a lot of them are great, but, you know, we've seen a lot of those. So it's. Well, a lot of that oh, imagery uh, is very familiar. Yeah. yeah. Elvis. I might. Elvis was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, wasn't. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think of scenes because I sometimes do that list of scenes. And like last year, it helped that like Spider-Man was just had a couple of iconic scenes to make it really like, Yeah. You know, the Peter showing up. That was going to be one of the scenes of the year. You know, Garfield saving uh, Zendaya. Like, those kind of things were scenes to me. I, I guess the Rock the rock one and everything everywhere is good. I would just as easily say also um, the kind of conclusion of the Wong Kar Wai inspired scene. Well, totally. Well, that gets the, uh, the nod for best line of the year, certainly. Yes. In another life, I would have really enjoyed doing taxes and laundry with you. Um... I mean, Top Gun Maverick is kind of just one long great scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a centerpiece one there, but just like almost every couple minutes, just like this movie's better than it should be. Yep. Um, I'm looking through something with the whales and Avatar, probably. Sure. I mean, that's one of those ones where it's a little bit of a wavelength thing. Like you're you're either on board with the whales or you're not. Like that's that's one of those moments where like. If this movie's not going to work for you, the whales are going to set you off. Um, women talking has some good conversations. I, I do kind of like the, the Zeus scene in Thor Love and Thunder still. Yeah, that's good. You're not invited to the orgy. Um, some, there's some good scenes in X. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid year. Yeah, the, the whole to, off conclusion... The top of the conclusion of um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is definitely a bit of a gut punch. Yeah, that's my favorite scene in that movie. There's definitely movies that you could tell had they been better received or like the intent worked better, it would have worked. Like like with Blonde, for example. Because, like, Steve, you watched it. Like, mm-hmm. There's scenes in that movie that if the movie was better received overall would, would kind of be like talked about scenes throughout. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, the, the power of the movie. But because it's such a mixed bag to people... And the people who don't like it are so, you know, very vocal about why that that was never going to happen. Yeah, the same it's, with like the whale. Yeah, well, that's the thing they just toss them down the well and forget about it. But I'm yeah. like, you, you know, this you can't forget about, it, especially with like Blonde. And there's a lot of films this year. I was saying to my wife, is there a single movie that came out this year that's under uh, the two hours and eight minutes? It seems like everything is. Aiming for that two two eight uh, to to two thirty six or so. I'm like, uh, there were a lot of long movies. This year and but to pretend as if those films have nothing. Oh, you know what? I don't know what what scene. Uh, but Matilda. Okay. Uh, there's a uh, one of the opening uh, songs. Actually, several of the songs. I I mean I, I was really impressed with that and just how um, to take a musical, bring it to stage. It had a, a feel of a classic Hollywood musical yet it had a very modern because of the technology feel to it that yeah. updated it. I had a lot of fun with that. I don't have one, one in particular, but you know, miles you, you'd seen it. Do you recall? One? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm a huge fan of that one. Um, I mean, 
the song highlight for me is the one the kids sing at the end when they're like tearing down the statue and like running amok. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all really. I mean, anything with Emma Thompson really is pretty golden. Um, <laughs> like the bit where she does like the parkour through like the obstacle course is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff I like in that. Well, sometimes there's things where it's not necessarily a scene, but sometimes a line. Like, I don't know if either of you have seen it yet. Because it did kind of fly under the radar, but the the Fletch movie, Confess Fletch. I have yet to see it. I want to. It's really good. It's Again, it's playing on TV a lot recently, so I've watched a couple times. But there's a line early in the movie, like, he, he basically arrives at his, like, Airbnb and there's a body. So he calls the police. But he calls, like, the number he would have because he's a reporter as opposed to, like, 911. And they're puzzled. They're just like, why are you calling us? It's like, I'm calling to let you know. Like, as a courtesy, like, well, we don't, like, shouldn't you call out 911? He's like, just, why don't you just let Homicide know? They like murders. They'll be interested. And he hangs up. And I just love lines like mm-hmm. that. Like, they'll be interested. It's just clever stuff like that. Because yeah. there's also, like, scenes that are great that are not pleasing. Like, we're mostly talking about the things that are, are largely pleasing. Like, like Banshees, when Colin Farrell was like, you know, my mom was nice. My dad was nice. I remember them. Or, like, Barry Keen asking Kerry uh, Condon about, like, basically running away together. Like, those scenes are more emotional. Mm-hmm. But they're also obviously powerful. Or like, um, I want to know that I did one thing right in the whale. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But like, that's, you know, those are gut punches as opposed to like smile, giggle kind of moments. Kate Hudson's, a lot of her lines, you know, like, I'm, I'm not sure if there's sure. one scene, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of moments. You know what? You know what's a, an underrated scene in that movie? Not that it's not even underrated. It's just it's, it's silly, but I got a kick at it was the mask scene. When everyone's wearing their like, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Kate Hudson's like mesh fishnet situation is pretty. Yeah, great. yeah. Like, what's the least effectual mask possible? Like at that point, by, better uh, to just not wear one. Yeah, <laughs> followed by Ethan Hawke like just spraying people. Like, you're good. But what better way to to define that character without saying a word? Oh, exactly. Say, this is my COVID mask. Oh, yeah. No, that scene is that scene is very good at like. Here's something about all the characters followed by. Here's something about Edward Norton. Here's something about Miles. About Miles, not you, Miles. The evil Miles. Um, oh, that he spoilers. just has a dude who can cure. Wait, which one? Mm-hmm. Which one's evil? Forget oh. it. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, didn't he just try to kill the queen? Uh, Forget listen. it. Mm-hmm. Callbacks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ryan's uh, film hawk face off. Films close together from my list of films to look forward to last year which will lead us into films to look forward to this year. Um, he said there was uh, a bunch, so feel free to flip, split it in half. But we can, we've talked about so many of these movies that I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on them. But it's interesting to look at like where I put these movies on the list. Uh, number 73, Empire of Light, or 72 Men. By the way, if, it, if we hit a movie that one of you has caught up on, we can just talk about it quickly also. Oh, well, perfect timing, because, yeah, I did... Um... While I was in England, uh, we went to the Ritzy Picture House, which is one of the oldest theaters still in London uh, from 1913. And is uh, the interior is very similar to the theater in Empire of Light. So it was kind of a perfect nice. little confluence. Um, and I guess it's technically an early preview screening because it's not out yet there or here. Um, it's out here. Just no one has seen it. Well, no, it's not out near me in Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, well, for you, yeah it worked out great for you. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I'm kind of shocked at how much hate this movie has got. I thought it was lovely. Like, it's not exactly. It's not doing anything revolutionary. Like, everyone involved in it has done much better work elsewhere. 
Um, but Olivia Coleman continues to be one of the best actresses working today. I think Michael Ward is a great find and I'm, ex- I love their chemistry and I'm excited to sure. see what else he goes on to do. You know, it's got a nice kind of low key score from, uh, Reznor and Ross, um, yeah, Reznor Roger Ross Deakins, Deakins, so like... it looks great. Like it's like, it's juggling a lot and it doesn't necessarily land all of its themes and the racism stuff in particular is super clunkily handled. Um, yes. But I like what it's doing, like what it has to say about mental health and sort of destigmatizing that. And I like um, I like the sort of the magic of movie stuff, although it's not nearly oh, yeah, as prominent as is... you would expect. Oh, it's 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 two best scenes in the movie. It's just you're like, but it's only I the two thought that scenes. was the movie yeah. I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like it, it'll like keep hinting at uh, various ideas without fully committing to any one. But like. It is one of those movies, like, it's probably not going to be any kind of major Oscar player, like you're saying, Steve, but, like, it's worth sort of celebrating on its own merits just for what it is doing and what it's trying to do. And, you know, maybe it's not necessarily ever meant to be an Oscar player. I mean, I'm sure they would have ran with that if they got that kind oh, yeah, of reception. Oh, the worst thing that but... happened to it was debuting at Telluride. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it sets up just an expectation that it, it that's not mm-hmm. the kind of movie that it is. Um, no. but I thought it was a very pleasant experience. Men we talked about before is a movie that I think I've liked less the more I've thought about it. Um, it's I mean it's Alex Garland, so there's really impressive stuff from both the writing and directing standpoint. And I think Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear give two of the best performances of the year that are trapped in a movie that's very difficult to watch or recommend. Um, yeah, with but the biggest third act ask of the year oh, boy. <laughs> every time i think about it i'm just like i can't believe they put that in the movie like not even because yeah, it's yeah. like too much for me but it's just like this this should be too much for anyone like why are you making people watch this and it's never ending it, it feels like it goes for a million years <laughs> oh it's intentional but it's just like it's it's too much is, it's too much yeah. this is a choice yeah um so yeah between the two it's got to be empire of light for me Steve? I have not seen Empire of Light yet. Um, that's actually on my list before I do my top ten. Um, well, you have uh, eight days. I know. I, I'm trust me. I'm I'm cranking through them. Actually, less than that because it goes up in eight days. I'm re- I'm re- well. I, you know, I'll I'll be up at three o'clock in the morning, making sure making sure Wait, it's you ready. You have to make the image. You have to make the image for it. Yeah, yeah. You have me kind of kind of over a barrel. But I am. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I have to choose men, but. It's a film I never want to see again. So yeah, yeah, no, nobody never needs to watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah. It was a fascinating Oof. once watch. Um, I'm gonna go Empire of Light. I think I still like I said I, I like Miles said I think it's lovely. Again, not making like really my list for anything. I think when we talk about my awards, I think I got like one nomination for like score kind of thing. It's a lovely score, but yeah. it was a totally pleasing watch. I enjoyed it. I kind of thought it might have been a little bit more of a player at the time just because I liked it and like that first wave of buzz was positive. But as soon as you saw the other side of the coin, I'm just like, especially at Toronto, where they're like, wait, this is what you liked at Telluride? I was like, no, this is not happening for it. Lovely, small, destined to be forgotten about. Uh, Next up, number 69. Nice. Uh, Women talking. What a poor choice for number 69. Um, Or number 67, After Yang. Uh, so I have not gotten to see women talking yet, but it's, I, I mean, I may not get way to you. Maybe like, I probably won't get a chance to before, um, before I, we have to yeah, probably not, list. I think this week is their quote unquote wide release. So well, we're not, I looked ahead. We're not getting it. 
So yeah, probably not till like the week after or even February. This is one of those Cyrano worst person in the world situations where I won't see it until like after the Oscars have happened. Um, But it looks good. Um, I mean, I can, I'll look into seeing if I can get you a screener, but also like, are you going to like sit down and have a casual watch of women talking? Yeah, no. Well, that and after sun are like right on. I'm right on the edge of my sad drama threshold for the year. So I need to be careful. There's, there's two more right there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what was the other one? Sorry. After Yang. after Yang, after Yang, I did see, and I thought it was very, very lovely. Just like beautifully shot, very meditative. It's one of those movies where it's not really about the plot. It's just about the vibes and about the mood and, about exploring these themes but it's a lot of like what you bring to it um but yes great performances i love the sort of lo-fi sci-fi futures um no i, I think it's an absolute winner so after yang sure not made not often you get a movie a sci-fi movie about tea yeah oh and i See, love that right. monologue that colin farrell has about the tea so good yeah, yeah he has a lot of monologues this year which actually leads to something i want to talk about later if we have time so one of you just remind me that i wanted to talk about something involving colin farrell and you'll understand what i mean then later i'll try all right you i'm, I'm not really banking on you steve no okay. offense thank you very much <laughs> yeah women talking you're, you, gotta, you have to know your strengths um women talking very true <coughs> i have not seen after yang yet uh that is another one of my pile my to-do list pile a physical pile that sits in my mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. above my television um but uh women talking there's i mean there's there's a lot there to uh to appreciate it's not the uh the easiest film to watch that's the thing to this year is like man there's a lot of films that are even when they have a somewhat happy ending or you can find like that silver lining there's just been a lot of pain, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's as a result of COVID or what. But there just seems yes. to be a lot I mean, of movies. Like, movies reflect the world that we live in about yeah. twelve to sixteen months afterwards. Um, yeah. well, think about like Bush era films, right? They were very dark, very like pessimistic about true. the world. Um, the first kind of wave of movies after Trump were similar, and obviously COVID is now sort of rearing its head, not just in the, the like scale of movies that were made, but in like kind of the subject matter a women talking i think it works no matter when it comes out but it definitely is sort of boosted by that that sort of like mm-hmm. feeling of anger that you don't know what to do with that i just wish these films this movie's advantage it's kind of you know you, you your interview with uh is it scott cooper got the name right yeah yeah for yeah um, for pale blue eye yeah and he was talking about <laughs> like he brings out these movies he wants to do, do these movies all wait am i the right one is the right yeah he wants to bring these movies out all year long is that yeah the right interview yeah yeah yeah. and he's like yeah i don't you know these movies aren't just supposed to be delivered to the world between you know the first week of uh of december and the end of the year but that's what happens i'm like it's just too bad that that's what happened you know that's how it works and people say well those are oscar films no these are films that you should see women talking has a lot that a lot of great conversations that can be had in a movie that's a it's not a big ass necessarily in content it's just who I, this is what i said to tell you right like i i like the movie a lot i'm quoted and for the movie like i'm not like shy about saying i liked it a lot mm-hmm. but people were kind of like oh this is gonna be really well like, do we have our best picture front runner like you know the people who like to say that said it. you know we we know who we're talking about you know mm-hmm. the, the first kind of kind of folk 
And I, I was talking at the festival. We were actually we were going from women talking to Bardo. And I was like, yeah, this this definitely has a shot at, at doing stuff. But also, and I don't want to be this guy, but like, who's the movie made for? Like, who's going to go one ticket for women talking, please? Yeah. And it's and it's it's unfortunately it's we saw it happen to she said like who plopped down a ticket for she said not that many people it's just it's it's not a hard ask in terms of the actual content once you're watching it but the idea of I want to sit for two hours plus watching this depicted in front of me mm-hmm. uh, people who don't go to the movies that often well, don't make that choice that's where you're where the problem lies also that yeah. you know, compounds the problem I guess is that. Who's going to the movies? And when you say, hey, I'm going to go see a film, well, you're going to see Avatar or Top Gun Maverick or a Marvel well, film. Similar yeah. spectacles. We saw it with, with Babylon. Like, if you're going to go to the movies, are you going to see two, three-hour-plus movies? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are because we're crazy. But, like, people who, who don't go all the time are like, well, I'm going to go see Avatar. You know, Babylon might be interesting. But also, like, whatever. I'll get to it. But when you see Babylon, you see the trailer, you say, well, that's a little more of a challenge. Oh, I know what I like better. A lot of people want to go in and turn their brains off and just say, yeah. hey, you know, and just go for the ride. Babylon, you know, is not that type of film. So I think, you know, I think that's, you know, we've had this discussion many times in many ways. Right. I think that the, the, the direction of, of cinema at this point is is changed. So un- hopefully we find a way where these films are delivered and not just buried somewhere in Netflix in six months, but uh, showcased before... They become stale, so they can have yeah. you know those moments to be be topics of discussion, and I think you know a film like Women Talking would be great for uh, for uh, high school and college co- courses to totally. explore and to discuss. But you know when they don't get the you know years ago, I th- Women Talking might be your your leader for best picture and it would have plenty of years of discussion but right now you're like hopefully that she said and, and others find that audience hopefully uh yeah. hopefully there's people out there mining for that stuff and 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 keeping an eye out because you certainly hope so we need what's, to uh, we need to keep the conversation going and i need to stop talking go ahead Move no, on. No, right. <laughs> no i just want to i want to bounce through the next couple ones a little faster because it's going to be very interesting when we get to the the last few is there's, there's something I didn't realize happened. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go women talking. After Yang is lovely, it's cool. I liked it. Women talking was was more powerful to me. Uh, let's do the next couple ones a little quicker. You'll understand why shortly. Sixty five triangle of sadness or sixty three Kimmy. Oh, I didn't oh, even remember Kimmy. that I put that on the list. I, I yeah, yeah. I like legitimately thought did he say kinsey <laughs> like the lead yeah, movie kinsey. the sequel i mean i've only seen one of those two movies i actually haven't haven't seen kimmy oh, oh um, yeah it slipped below the radar and it got like late enough in the year that i was like i don't know that i'm gonna come back to that one yet oh, i would it's like readily available uh totally uh well i have seen kimmy and uh actually as of uh between episodes i did finally catch up on triangle of sadness i watched it on a plane which was a choice in certain sections yeah. of the movie. Um, it's, I, you know, I wasn't bored by it. I was definitely engaged. And I think especially in the third act, sort of the thematic stuff that it's doing kind of clicks into focus and it, it finds a sort of stronger footing, especially once the prominence of the Dolly de Leon character sort of elevates because she's easily the best mm-hmm. part of it. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of got the menus problem for me, which is that it does it's not as clever as it thinks it is. Um, it definitely isn't as clever as it thinks it is. And it's 
it's talking about some societal issues, but in a very surface level kind of way. Um, the first act, especially the first act. Is well, the first cool. act is yeah. Well, and at two and a half hours, you know, we were talking about some of these run times and like, you know, as we talk about our favorites of the year and just reflect in general, some of my favorite movies this year were like three hours plus, but you got to earn it. And a lot of it comes down to pacing more than runtime. And this was definitely not a movie that was paced to be two and a half hours long. So that felt a little no. indulgent, um, but it's a not despite how much awful, you know, visual stuff is in it. It's not an unpleasant watch. Um, yeah. Kimmy, I liked a lot too. Kimmy, I mean, for very different reasons, but it's very much sort of like low key, but like very efficient Soderbergh, um, sure. like in very like, you know, dirt cheap, but still looks like a million bucks sort of, um, yeah, you know, low budget you know he's going to do every so often, whether he says he's going to or not, he's just not, he's incapable of not making this type of movie periodically. Exactly. And it's a very good one of those. Zoe Kravitz is great in it. It deals with a lot of pandemic anxieties really well, really well while not like shoving it in your face. Um, between the two, I'm actually going to look at my list because they're probably pretty close to each other. Well, you do that since I have only seen one. I unfortunately have to go triangle, even though it's one of my more disappointing films of the year. So where I'm at on that one. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kimmy because it is ranked significantly higher. <laughs> there you go. Steve? I'm going to go with... Um, well, first of all, I enjoyed both. Um, okay. They float somewhere close to each other. I'm, I'm, I'm sorting through my rankings. It is so difficult. I don't know how you go through 300 films and you <laughs> say this one's 278 and this one's 264 and this one's... I mean, you, want to know what my, you want to know what my 278 is? Hang on, I'll tell you. Yeah, but I just don't... I, I'm like, oh my, how? I don't know. Which one do I like better? It, it, it's very it's very difficult for me um, because it, it's also, like I said, maybe before the podcast, um, it's about mood. It's about your setting. Will I go back and revisit this and, and enjoy it more? Possibly, will I dislike it on second viewing, uh, or, or like it less and, and, and have a different experience? Yes. So I, I can't can't rate that experience that well. But I enjoyed both. Um, Kimmy was a surprise for me. I'm not always a huge uh, Soderbergh fan. What number did you say a minute ago? Two seventy eight. Two seven. New Moonfall. <laughs> there you go. And what, what, what was two sixty four? Uh, three fifty-five. Hmm, that spy movie that barely came out. By yeah. the way, one below Moonfall, Triangle of Sadness. Oh, really? Oh, wow! Imagine if I hit it. I don't know which great. movie that's a bigger dig at. <laughs> yeah. All right. By the way, only a couple above that, The Sun. Jeez. <laughs> well, uh, those below the uh, remake of Cheaper by the Dozen, just so you know. There was a remake of Cheaper by the Dozen this year? Yeah, that was a Disney Plus, yep. right? That was a uh, Disney Plus one with uh, Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union as parents. Oh, wow. It was thoroughly forgettable. It was so forgettable, Miles actually saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually produced it? Oh, uh, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It lost your money somehow. <laughs> so he went to England. He had to find a new backer. Yeah. So my choice is, is Triangle of Sadness. Um, All right. I mean, it's it's teetering on my top ten. I, wow. yeah. I mean, teetering I teetering in my top three hundred. It's funny that I I don't I don't 
I brought this up with another film, and I'm like, I'm surprised about the reaction because you see these things, and you're like, well, yeah, oh, I enjoyed it. Do others? And then this is one that I've seen, you know, very polar. You know, it's a very uh, most people like it. I, I don't know. I, I yeah, but door. yeah, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean a ton. I mean, listen, we're the next mo- the next one that we talk about. One of those movies um, well, has a, a similarly polarizing reaction. As we say here, you know, you're, you're 279 and I'm somewhere in my top 10. So it's yeah. it's kind of uh, divisive. Um, I but I enjoyed it. And, I, you know, maybe I'm a surface level guy. There's times I just I I enjoyed it. It was like three three mini films, essentially. And yeah, I, I just I just disliked one of them, was indifferent to one and kind of liked one. So yeah, but I, I found myself appreciating each one. Uh, as they each went along and well it worked it it worked as intended for you yeah so there you go and Kimmy though Kimmy's great I thought Kimmy was a lot of fun like I said Soderbergh's not always my favorite Um, but he did a little with a lot or he did a lot with a little and um, and I thought uh, the lead what's her name Um, Zoe Kravitz Zoe Kravitz was great and she's one that's you know now on my radar of between that and and, and, uh, the Batman um, there you go. I, I'm looking forward to what she does next. So, not a big, not a big divide between the two. Definitely, bo- both are in my top twenty. I think. Nice. Um, next up, number fifty-seven, bones and all, all the bones, or number fifty-six, Elvis. Uh, yeah, I got nothing here. I haven't had a chance to do bones and all yet. I might get to it by the end of the month because it's coming back to my mini theater, but probably not in time for lists. Uh, and I refuse to watch Elvis because it looks like a nightmare. So uh, I'll go hmm. bones and all because the trailer doesn't make me want to throw up. Fair enough, Steve. Sadly, bones and all is another one I missed. I have it, and I've been wanting to watch it, but um. So I, I but Elvis, I enjoyed Elvis. I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised I did, and I, I'm not a, a Baz Luhrmann hater uh, like some people are. Actually, I'm not anyone hater. Really anyone, yeah, I, I, I go in and I try to erase my, I don't, I erase expectations and I watch what's on the screen. So, but there was a lot to appreciate, and I'm like, I, I didn't expect to be in any way emotionally connected to it, and I was. I'm like, well, I know what happens to Elvis. I know how it all goes down, and even Tom Hanks. I know people hated Hanks in that, but I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like <laughs> a, a, a Tom Hanks, uh, a, a you know, apologist or whatever the hell you call it. I, but I, I thought he was, you know, he was fine. I'm like, you know, the, the biggest challenge for him, he had an accent and he had uh, prosthetics. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who did he put in that role? Uh, the, and it, it, he was fine. It was, it was fine. So Elvis, definitely not in my top, you know, not very highly ranked for the year. But uh, definitely not a film I'm against or, or in, in any way downing. So, and Bones and All Fair didn't enough. see it. Yeah, uh, both of them I didn't care for. Uh, but Bones and All, I guess. Why didn't you like Elvis? More interesting. I don't know. I didn't think it had anything to say. And like, I also don't want to watch a movie about a person I'm supposed to be hopefully learning something about told to me through a character I don't give a shit about. Like, I didn't hate Tom yeah. Hanks in the movie. He's doing a thing. But like the character itself gave me nothing. See, I kind of did like care. It. I did care about him because I wanted to. I did. I, I always heard the name, and I never knew 
what the story was. So for me, I was that was very intriguing. You know, it was a little. I would recommend. There's a documentary actually moderated the Q and A for Cold the King. That was oh, um, a few about years ago. Elvis. Yeah, yeah, and that got into more about the Colonel. And I remember doing the Q and A. It was I think it was it was Eugene Jarecki, I think, his director, and he was one of those guys who just could kind of talk, so I didn't have to do a talk. But he said um, he wanted to make it very clear. He's like, you know, all these things about the Colonel, and like, you know, any any like sane look at Elvis is somewhat critical of the Colonel or very critical. But he's like, it's important to remember, like, Elvis loved this man. Like, and I don't really think the movie did that either. Like, he kind of seems like he's under his spell in the movie. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't a part that worked for me. I don't know. Um, next up, this feels like the Miles special. Number 51, Crimes of the Future. And number 50, The Northman. Hey. Yeah. Uh, I very much enjoyed both of these movies. Um, the Northman, you know, a very well-produced, well-directed, well-acted sort of Shakespeare Hamlet riff. Um, you know, it's got all the historical, spiritual, heavily researched bizarreness that you'd come to expect from Robert Eggers. Um, and the whole thing just worked a treat for me. Uh, Crimes of the Future, though, is classic Cronenberg and, you know, very much feels like a return to form after a very long period of time where he was either not making anything or not making anything sort of up to the level of his earlier work. So um, he'd, he'd ceded body horror to his son, as we kind of discussed earlier. Yeah, but this feels almost like him reclaiming it a little bit, but less in the service of shock value and more in the service of this is just the aesthetic that I go to for whatever social commentary is on my mind. Yeah, yeah. My, my movie jollies are, you know, weird shit on people's bodies. Exactly. And it's, it's I think it's among his best. I, I was really into it. So um, both good, but I'm going to go with Crimes of the Future. Cool. See? Well, I have no opinion. and I, But I will say that Cronenberg tends to be a blind spot for me because all of his films have this kind of like, I don't know, kind of like griminess to them <laughs> that I always hear like, yeah, but that scene, I'm like, I don't know if I'm in the mood. I, I feel like I have to be in the right mood in the right setting to watch them. And rarely does it happen uh, ever since kids that I'm like, That's fair. and I, I want to see it. It, especially because uh, you had both spoken highly about it, but unfortunately it's just hasn't happened yet. So sure. Um, I'll mix up and go to North, but they're both, they actually were very similar in terms of quality to me. Um, now we're getting to the interesting part because the next comparison, I definitely undervalued them. The one after that, I wildly overvalued. And then we're getting into like some of the other thing I wanted to mention. But here, number 37, Tar. Mm-hmm. Or number 36, The Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, I mean, sight unseen. It was more like, I have no idea what Tar is about. Oh, these, this is your, oh, this is your this list my, of, oh. Yeah, okay. This isn't my ranking of the year. This is my, when I did my films to look forward oh, to, okay. which will tie into next, the one I did for this com- for this year. Now I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, my daughter was talking earlier, so sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're good. We're going to, no, no, we'll get there. Um, so we talked about Tar um, when I saw it. I guess it was back in October. Um, I guess this one is my power of the dog this year because I liked it up to a point, but it's, I don't know. It's so artsy fartsy and like 
just in a way that I found kind of unengaging. And there are stretches of it I like. I think Kate Blanchett's phenomenal, as she always is. But something about the story just kind of petered out for me. And by the end, I just didn't care. Um, Banshees of Inishirin is de- terrific. It's in my top 10 of the year. Uh, it's McDonough's best since in Bruges, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, the whole cast doing amazing work. It's it's uh, fantastic. I haven't watched it a second time yet, but I'm planning on it uh, sooner rather than later. So Banshees all the way for me. Steve, these are two you like a lot also. I'm curious where you come in. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, I feel like they're both on your top ten. They they are both in my currently in my top three. Um, there we go. And I've been, you know, this year I'm struggling to find. I mean, there's you know, these are two of the films that once I saw when I left the theater, that I was like, man, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And I and I often think about them. Um, and this year, like for my top five, it's been, it's kind of been set, but it's, it's, I'm not, I'm struggling to find like a real strong, like top 10. Everything else seems to be sliding in and out. These have stayed in there. This and, and everything everywhere all at once have been three of my, they haven't budged. They've sat in my top three since I've seen them. <laughs> so. <sighs> do you want to, do you want to save the reveal for when your list goes up? You know what? I, as of right now, I can tell you what I have, but um, you know what? When you want to pick, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with Banshees right now. Cool. But I, 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 I doing the same. I want to watch them both again. So yeah, that's fair. I, but uh, I, yeah, I think Banshees. it's gonna stick with Banshees, though. I think it's gonna stay. The Banshees. revisit. I think the revisit helped me with Banshees more. Um, I'm curious what happens when I revisit Tar when I get around to that. All right, this is the the wildest. Um, I was very misguided here. Uh, my 10th most anticipated film of the year, Deep Water. <laughs> or my 8th most anticipated film of the year, Blonde. If I, well, you were high on Ana Diarmas at the time. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, he skipped number 9, whatever that was, to make this an Ana Diarmas comparison. But yeah, this, I mean, she was my year in advance prediction to win Best Actress. And like, she's up for the Globe and like, still not like out of the Oscar race, which we might get into in a minute. We have to figure out what we're going to do and what we're going to say for next week. Um, uh, did you watch either of these worlds? I have not seen either of these. So, uh, but Blonde is a movie I know I'm not going to see just because everything I've heard about it lets me know that it's just the kind of thing that I'm just going to have a miserable yeah, experience a- with. Um, yeah. And Deepwater, I'm not against it, but it also, nothing about it really jumped out at me as especially interesting even before the reviews. Yeah, it needed to either be like, oh shit, it's a good erotic thriller or, oh shit, this is insane. And you kind of heard like, I heard it was fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not exactly interesting enough to jump at. Hmm. No, no. Steve, you. Uh, I'm going to go with blonde. Um, I think there's a lot there. And as we discussed earlier, I think if you strip away the bad parts, the parts that people are offended by or the parts that people can't look past, which I understand. There's some very, <laughs> there's some very uh, graphic and very upsetting scenes in the film, but there's a lot to appreciate there. Uh, Deep Water, though, I don't think I think it got cast aside as you know as a, a loss. And I'm, it's, it's it's trash. It's just not quite as fun trash as you were hoping. Yeah, I don't think it's as it's not as 
Well, that's a thing. It's definitely it's, trashy. It's an erotic thrill. Yeah, it's trashy, but it's not as trashy as I've seen other erotic thrillers. And this this is kind of a, oh, yeah, a, a tamer, much tamer one. And I Which think is funny because it being Adrian Lyne and it being people dating who fell in love while making the movie, you were kind of led to believe like this is gonna be smoking hot, and it's not. Yeah, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I I don't think I didn't dislike it. The bad film. I think it's just. No. But again, I go in with less expectations than others because Fair. that's always my approach. I, you know, yeah. I like to go in. I like to just watch what's on screen. Afterwards, yeah. you can hear the after story or the, you know, the the, the story behind it. But uh, yeah, definitely blonde. Um, blonde for me as well, though I, I have no desire to ever watch it again. Yeah, same right. here. The interesting part is the next three comparisons. That's six movies. Five of them are in my top ten for the year. So I was oh, well. Well, the things I anticipated. I ended up really liking. Um, so this will actually lead into discussion. Miles's next one will be will be up his alley for discussion. But this one we can go quickly. We've talked about both fairly thoroughly. Number six, The Fablemans, or number five, She Said. Okay, uh, these are were both films that I went in not with low expectations necessarily, but just. Oscar bait. Yeah, it was. It they they felt like homework a bit more than like I'm excited for this. Uh, and yeah. and both of them, I was very pleasantly surprised by. The Fablemans, I think, is one of Spielberg's best in well over a decade. Um, uh, it's, well, he's just he's so engaged by the material for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons, but I think it 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 doesn't fall prey to like navel gazing or anything like that. It tells a full story. I, I did mention uh, when we talked about it on the pod that I think it sort of loses focus a little bit in the third act, but then it brings it back for a terrific ending. Um, Wait, actually, you know what? That scene. That's one I, of the I, best scenes of the year for sure. The David Lynch scene, which I never yeah, thought I, I'd I, say, which, but there you go. Which you can find, which they have online now. And boy, even out of context. It, I mean, oh, I know it the plays context, so like, well. <laughs> when the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. When the horizon's at the bottom, it's interesting. The horizon's in the middle. It's boring. Now, good luck to you and get the fuck out. Oh, it's great. <laughs> well, and then the way that that dovetails into the final shot of the movie, too, is just Which, beautiful. Have you, have you heard that? I, I, I believe it, but apparently, like, he does it himself. Well, that, you know, that would be very on point. Yes. It's such a... It, I heard Rogan... Seth Rogan was on... It's a night show? I, I don't know what show he was on. I forget who he was talking to. But he said, you know, it was very strange to get the call and all that. But he's like, the first day of shooting, he, he did his scene, walks over, and Spielberg's crying. He's like, oh, I was so bad that Spielberg's crying. Apparently, he just cried a lot, like, in the movie. It, 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 you can kind of tell that, like, there's so much heart in the movie, and it, it definitely turned out the way he envisioned it. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's terrific. Uh, and then she said, too, very much sort of exceeded my expectations. I love, like, a good like gritty journalism movie and this is definitely like it's definitely on like the spotlight all the president's men sort of spectrum of things yes um the subject matter is tough but i think it handles it pretty gracefully for the most part there's some like clunky dialogue here and there and like a few bits that are kind of like but for the most part it's really well done really well acted um so yeah love them both um i am going to go with the fablemans though same Mm. fablemans my number one of the year it's hard to argue but she's heads my number three. They're they're both just shy of my top ten. Yes. Both are very strong. Um, I think they'll go Fablemans. 
yeah, just because hard not to. It's such a like. Yeah, it, and and the rewatchability of it, it's you know, it's oh, something it's, it's that I think movie you can revisit. And I think different generations will take different things away from it. You know, I think that's what it kind of reminds me of uh, Apollo uh, ten and a half. Is that what it's called? I was about to say Apollo thirteen. I was like, yeah. I, I was going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll screw up any name possible, so yeah. including my yeah, own. Apollo 10 and a half is also super underrated. But it has a, a certain feel like that the, the different age of the, you know, of the audience is going to take away a different, uh, you know, there's a certain level of nostalgia. There's like for me, you know, like watching just anything going back to the theater and, and watching and, and, and remind, remind or being reminded about how big of an experience it was and how important it was as a like, little kid going with yes. my family and like, and then and thinking, you know, I'm sure there's people who are older than me who are like, have a different reaction to it. And my kids have a different reaction to it. They watched it as well. And uh, yeah, there's just something about it. It's a film you can share. And I, I love those films. And I love that fact that I do want to see it again. I just watched it, yeah. you know, just a you know, couple weeks back and it worked I, on a second visit. I got to tell you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm looking forward. To, it's a film I do. I do wish I did see in the theater, but unfortunately, yeah. I saw it twice in the theater. It's very rare for me these uh, days. You win. Um, this will. This is this one couldn't have been better set up for Miles as well. Number four, the whale. Or number three, Babylon. Ah, mm-hmm. yes, two films I uh, I caught up with uh, between episodes, and two films that I very much feel some kind of way about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my number five and my number ten of the year. I'm highly, yeah. I'm highly anticipating this. Go yeah. Miles, go. Yeah, ne- neither of them cracked my top twenty. Um, these are both films that have elements that I think are absolutely fantastic, and then have other elements that kind of torpedo the whole film. Uh, okay. With Babylon, the first half of Babylon is one of the best films of the year. It's you've got that live wire energy that, you know, made Damien Chazelle such an exciting voice to sort of discover with Whiplash and La La Land. There are several sequences. There's one at the party. Anytime they're on set, um, yes, you the know, movies, the, movie, the, the, the mad movie stuff is perfect. The mad dash to get the camera and like get the mm-hmm. shot before the thing goes down. All the stuff with like using sound for the first time, like sequences like that where it just it like it. it develops this raw energy and you're like hypnotized by it and it and it's almost punk rock a little bit and the score i will say is possibly the best of the year and the way that it integrates those sequences and the way that they sort of flow and very much feel in conjunction with the music it's it's really really incredible stuff and i think margot robbie's great diego calva is an excellent straight man um brad pitt's giving a really good like character actor performance all that stuff is really, really fantastic. Uh, the problem for me comes in the second half. It's a, th- a three-hour movie that definitely, like, you need to cut like an hour out of this movie. It's it's too well, it's, much, and like I know, you know what it is. It's I know it's supposed to... to be too much, but it just yeah. that doesn't make the experience of it like because the problem for me is that it falls into that you know the second half of Boogie Nights or The Artist yeah. or a lot of very similar stories with very similar setups 
And it's just not doing that as well as those other movies that it reminds you of. And it kind of yeah. stays in that dour register for a bit too long. And it loses all that spark and all that excitement. And, you know, there's a few subplots that kind of go nowhere. Or like there's the thing with the trumpet player that like has a really icky kind of payoff. But, but like that plot only seems to exist for that icky payoff. And it just mm-hmm. I feel like you could have taken all that out. Um, it's not. I think I... I that part it didn't not work for me but I, yeah it the payoff was less than you would hope for considering that that character is somewhat pure by comparison to some of the other people well it just like, oh okay he, he it does, comes out of nowhere but it also okay. it it doesn't pay off in a meaningful way in conjunction with the rest of the movie but it's he's just, still ground you know, up and he's still ground up and and, and spit out that's a thing yes like, there is no that. totally and that, i get that aspect of it but, it, but also it it's would, a three-hour movie and it doesn't it's too exactly. long. It's I, too slow. I would be able, back half. I don't know that I would. I would say like get rid of that. I could. I could still have that. I would get rid of it completely. Own. I would get rid of the Tobey Maguire stuff. I well, thought that's that what was I was about really saying. just. The, they're trying the to do 20, the Alfred Molina scene from Boogie Nights, but it's just the character is just kind of weird for no reason and doesn't make a well, lot of sense. And then it just goes on, 20, and the payoff isn't good. It's like twenty to twenty-five minutes worth of okay. We need to have Margot Robbie be involved in crime for a minute. And like, but she's not even in the sequence. Like, <laughs> exactly. That that's that's the puzzle. I do think it ends very well. The the ending ending, I think, was good. But it's, it's listen. It's a very bold swing, is what it is. And yes, I I admire the ambition of it certainly. But I think by that point, it's lost a lot of goodwill, and I don't think it does enough to get it back. So it's one Fair. that I was very frustrated by because, again, the parts of it that work like. Lee Jun Lee gets a spectacular, you know, opening scene, but then she's just kind of yes. hanging out on the periphery for the rest of the movie. You know, Jean Smart is kind of hanging out in the background, but then she gets an amazing monologue towards the end. Like, it's all these little things where parts of it work so, so well, but the whole just feels less than the sum of those parts. And yeah, so, but uh, I, yeah, it's a, it's a big swing. It's, it's a big swing. It's, it's great that it exists. I think whether you like, love, hate it, or may buy it, yeah, no, I, like, I think I, like, I think the ambition and the sort of you know the filmmaking chutzpah behind it uh, is is definitely commendable. I just think I d- it's a, it's kind of a big experiment that like it, it feels like with everything that's going into it, it should feel like more than a lesser Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Sure, it, it cracked my top ten. I think because of the like big swing overall. Like, yeah, I don't know, I'm never going to see this type of movie again. In a way, you know, that that kind of feeling. Otherwise, I think it probably would have been destined to be like 14, 15, 16 kind of thing on my list. Mm-hmm. But I gave it the sort of like tie goes to the runner of like, you're really going for something here. Yeah. No, it's and, and in that regard, cool I probably trying. respect it more than I necessarily enjoy it. Also, just sure. on a personal level, and this kind of goes with Triangle of Sadness as well. I can do without all the bodily fluids. I can do without all the <laughs> fucking piss and shit and vomit all over the place. At a certain point, it's just like... Like also, by the way, do you want using you, piss and shit as a euphemism? There's piss and shit in this movie. Oh, there's so much, and it's just it like, worked more. Do you it want worked me better. To watch me. the movie or not? Because I'm not going to look at the screen while that shit's going on. So I, I, I recently interviewed Justin Hurwitz. The interview will be up soon of the before mentioned score that Miles likes so much, and we were talking about. It. I don't remember if it's on air or not. It might be when we were chatting before and after, but like very clearly, this movie tells you what you're in for within the first minute. Oh, totally. Yes. Listen, they don't beat around the bush in that regard. No. And I, no. I appreciate that, if nothing else. But just uh, it's a few too many times for me. 
sure. they pee around the bush, I think. Um, <laughs> they not around the bush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with with this film. I the bodily fluids. Wait, Steve, have you seen both? Yes, the bodily fluids okay. definitely. Well, yeah. Well, I'm going to reference Triangle of Sadness and this. The Triangle of Sadness did not bother me. This okay. one, I was like, okay, yeah, we can tone it down. And if I think yeah. if you did, I think it'd be much. It, it's especially starting that way. That's a that's a big ask for people to go. Well, yeah, I, you know, I was just eating my popcorn and now I'm not in the mood yeah. to eat ever again. Um, totally. So it, I think you know. When you say big swings, I'm like, I, maybe take this a, a little smaller swing. Do a bunt to start, and then take the big swings, like a few steps in. All right. Well, what about what about the whale, Miles? So the whale. So this is one that you know we've talked about a lot, probably since like the beginning of the podcast, maybe because it, it, yeah, it kept getting delayed. But also, yeah. I ha- did have some familiarity with it because I've seen the play, and I can report that it is very faithful to the play. I might argue faithful to a fault. Um, there are certain aspects. I, I do think it does overcome the issue that a lot of movies based on plays have. And I think we've talked about it plenty before where some of them, they, they never stop feeling stagey and they never stop. Or they, it never stops like, feeling like a artificially set. wander outside the set. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We're in a movie. We have to go outside this movie. Yeah. movie definitely doesn't do that. No. And so it's to this movie's credit that despite the fact that it's almost exclusively in an apartment, it, it makes sense for the character. It makes sense for the story, even if it weren't based on a play. And like, it's just cinematic enough that like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel restricted in that way. Uh, it was, it feel the restriction comes more in a character way, which is very much the point. Uh, but listen, Brendan Fraser is incredible. And it, as we expected, he would be, he absolutely gives his heart and soul to it and knocks it out of the park. Uh, it's really, really impressive uh performance sadie sink you know she goes toe-to-toe with him she's excellent hong chow kind of you know the beating heart of the movie samantha morton another you know show up for one scene and steal the show kind of situation um so all that is great that said i have some issues with it um Mm -hmm. i don't think aronofsky was the right choice for the material and I think the problem is he's done so many of these like psychological thrillers or sort of movies about addiction or like obsession and all these things. And I think he has certain tendencies because it's it's a movie that I very much believe was made with the best of intentions. I don't think yes, it's that's... it's not malicious in its nature. It's not trying to, you know, make anyone feel well, it is trying to make people feel bad, but not in that way. Um, you know, it's a movie that's very much, you know clinically engineered to make you cry and it, it, it gets there and it's successful in that regard but he has certain tendencies and i think there's an element of him not being able to help himself with the depiction of uh the character's affliction in certain ways and you know i could have done it without the sinister music that plays every time he picks up a candy bar or like there's a scene with his students that feels right on the verge of i don't know I don't even know what the right word is, like exploitative or gratuitous, maybe. Um, I don't know. And it's a difficult, it's a very difficult story to sort of adapt in a nuanced way. And I think it works on stage because there's always that level of artifice to it. It's You're never for a second not aware that it's a guy in like a fat suit. 
with a movie yeah. and with the natural tendency to try and make it look as realistic as possible, you lose that a little bit. And I think it it makes it kind of too real in a way that doesn't necessarily service the story. Um, I can definitely see that being an issue that people have had with it. Like, yeah, what we're saying, if it's, oh, this movie is, is mean to large people. You know, it, yeah, it, it, I don't think it's. I, I, I don't. It's get not mean spirited like, at all. It's not l- no, like going out to offend people. But I think it's one of those things where the best of intentions can still go astray. It it's yeah, all I comes down to it, the execution. Yeah, I think I said it last week. Like you know, he made Requiem for a Dream. He doesn't hate drug users. He doesn't hate drug addicts. But he definitely is willing to show you the the depths of what this affliction will do to you. And with that, it's there's a bit more of a remove than something that. Well, I don't. Yeah, like you said, this feels much realer. So like, well, yeah, also we like, is a bigger ask. Relatable in a way where like, like what he's doing is relatable, but the way he's going about, it, I don't know. It's kind of this, like somebody eating a lot shouldn't necessarily receive the same horrifying cinematography as a heroin addict. You know, I don't. I don't yeah, know that the things are know. equivalent. <laughs> like, I understand I, 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 from a health now. standpoint, but yeah. I think there's. It, <sighs> I don't. I don't know that it's appropriate mm. to the subject matter to sort of it's, depict it in a way that it's borderline monstrous at times. And I don't my, think my that's feeling what the story's is that, going for. Yeah, it's one of those things that it definitely worked for me. But I'm watching it aware of the fact that if if it's if it's not hitting, if that those choices aren't hitting, I get it. Like it's one of those movies I really really liked. It, it really it shattered me. But anyone who sat there stone faced and was like, I can't get on board with this, and I'm bugged by it. I get, you know, there were, there were, there were times where you just, you don't understand how some, like, I don't really understand someone not liking the favorites beyond like a vague, you know, an arm and white level reasoning. But I, I, I completely understand if someone's like the whale, I hated it beyond the, the reasons that we talked about before, where I'm just like, well, I can't engage with that. You, you saw the movie in a different manner and then you're entitled to that, but we can't really have a back and forth about that. There's no going, there's no going anywhere from that, uh, that point of view right and i I don't want to be clear i didn't hate the movie at all like again the parts of it that work work really well you know it does build to a very emotional finale although i fucking hate the last shot because it's it's (laughs) it's the exactly the kind of avant-garde bullshit that the director of the fountain would employ i mean it's probably why i like that shot oh i hate it so much but like the emotion of the climax as a whole, I think absolutely lands. Oh yeah, with, like with the with the word "daddy" and stuff like that. It's it's a weepy. It's designed to make you cry. It's it's very much sad drama Oscar bait in that regard, and I think it is successful in that regard. It's just a movie that I never ever want to see again. I think if Twitter's taught us anything, it's that certain people, that many people, walk into the theater knowing the reaction they want, knowing that they want to be offended and then find ways to be offended and then harp on it. I don't think this film was mean spirited. I do think, you know, what you're talking about making there's that the scene with the, the fridge and the pizza, right? Is that what you're talking about? What I mean, like there's, a, there's several scenes, but yeah, yeah but that's, that's, that's the them. big one. And I'm like, but I, you know, to me, it's not about him eating. It's about him, not caring and him giving up and it's it's a suicide it's like oh no that's him slashing that, his wrist and i'm like to be sure yeah and but i'm it's... like and i think to play it up in the horrific way you have to disassociate it that it's eating and see what the true human what's going on there what's the emotion there and so i think hard. that's when it, it hit me i was like my gosh i I'm, I'm going to be really brief about this, but I, I had a friend 
um, and I had a friend is exactly that, you know, as accurate as it can be, who was in a very close situation. And, uh, you know, and watching this hit me in, you know, uh, hard and, and at several points because I'm like, yeah, I've seen this. Which I do think is people who don't like it. I think that same instance is possibly happening as well. Yeah. So it's like I, I you know, just because it's offensive or it hurts you or it doesn't make you feel good, it doesn't mean it's a bad film. And, 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 and sure. you know, Miles, I, everything you said, I, I totally respect just Which... my my uh my reaction to it and my experience was different so you know which one are you picking i'm going babylon uh i, I feel like miles is going the whale yeah Actually, but i just want to no, say no, what no. about Out babylon two, i would definitely go with babylon okay. oh, okay. Sure. No, oh yeah. no they're they're both ultimately disappointments to me because i think they both had the potential to be a lot greater than they ended up being but i, I mean, think yeah, having them number four and number three on my beginning list i think you wouldn't have had them like outside the top 10 in your anticipated list either. Babylon would have probably been relatively high because of Chazelle's previous films. Yeah. But, um, and The Whale, yeah, would have been on the periphery. But um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, The Whale has those amazing performances and that's very much its saving grace because like sure. th- the actors are imbuing it with the heart that sometimes the director forgets to have. Um, yes. right. But Babylon, I think the highs and those sequences that are so incredible... Um, I don't think it, the movie fully works, but I think the highs get it a little higher. I think Fair the whale enough. is on the same wavelength kind of as blonde, you know, in the sure. same way feel people react. Cinema. What was that? Yeah. Feel bad cinema. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you can go I, in there and, I went with, and, and, yeah. and deal with it. Or you, you know, if you can't, then it's, you know, it's the worst film ever. So yeah, I, uh, I went with the whale, but again, both are on my top 10. By the way, this officially is probably our longest film all face off. Um, <laughs> really kicking that off can't the year be with true. The, I feel no, we, we, we get we get stuck in on tangents sometimes. That's true. <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna amend our, our back half of the episode to to take this, but I am gonna wrap this up quickly. Uh, Miles, say the Batman. The Batman. Steve, say the Batman. The Batman. I say Clerks three. Okay, we finished because my number two was the Batman. My number one was Clerks three, and I oh. know you both didn't see Clerks three. Uh, I have not. The Batman's but still in my I top five, one of the best movies of the year. Batman's just outside my top ten. It's but other than that, it's so back in for mine. I wanted to, so I figured let's let's do my awards like we did last year when I go through them and you guys, you know, guess what I picked and then we we say them. Let's do that next week because we'll talk about top tens also, so it'll tie in a little better, I think. Okay. Because I want to do the movies for this year on the list, and then before we wrap up. Let's give some bullshit Golden Globe predictions because by the time we record next week, the Tuesday night Golden Globes will have happened. Oh, yeah. Because remember, right. that's a ridiculous thing. Um, so let's do what we did last year with the list. Um, you can each give me some numbers and we'll, we'll see if there's anything to say about them. Uh, Miles, give me a number, one through 100. Uh, 83. 83 is a movie I kind of have based on its title. It's called Fucking Identical Twins. Okay, don't know that one. <laughs> I believe it's a comedy, but it has a great title. It's an A24 musical comedy? Oh, wow. Who's making All right, it? I, um, an R-rated comedy musical inspired by The Parent Trap. What? Uh, Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp. They uh, they did a two-man show at Upright Citizens Brigade. It stars Nathan Lane, Megan Mullally, Bowen Yang, and Megan Thee Stallion. 
Wow. Um, yeah, this is batshit insane. Like, how can we not want to find out what the fuck this movie's about? Well, I learned something You're more something curious today. than you were. <laughs> I mean, it's not super high, but like, I mean, the movie might be super high, but that's a, that's a movie that's a, a swing. It's, right. it's doing a thing. A <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I, I listen, of 100 movies, why not, right? I'm going to ask my friend Bill here and my friend Ted here what they think. 69, dude. Eh, I, let's see. Did I do? Oh, I definitely. I kind of intentionally do. This. It's called <laughs> I knew Governess. It. And it's a. Uh, <laughs> here, I will pull it up for you so I can give you the information. It is uh, Louis Rose Depp as well as the um, star of the worst person in the world. And it's from the director of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Excellent. Okay, that could be it's good. His, it's his sophomore feature. Um, also, um, Hoyen from Squid Game is in it. Hmm. And it's based on a novel of the same name. It follows three rebellious governesses who upend the household they work in, inspiring the minds of the boys in their care, igniting the imaginations of the bohemian couple employ them, and abandoning their charges for erotic adventures. So my number 69 is an erotic uh, movie made by a whole bunch of indie <laughs> stars. Okay. I, that movie, I, it's, it's an 824 movie, I think. It's like a fringe Oscar player, I would say. We have two A24. Yeah. Come on, Miles, keep it up. A24. We'll see. Yeah, Miles, what are we doing next? Uh, 42. The Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> oh my. I'm going to be real, like, after, like, that second trailer, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> I never, I, I never, ever thought I would be. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, like, they're doing the game. You can't accuse them of not yeah. doing the game this time. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I put it that high because I'm like, I'm going to kind of be pumped to see it when it happens. Like, the Chris Pratt thing is still stupid and a terrible choice, but the entire rest of the voice cast is a plus casting i think and then just sure the look that, of it is like very like it's still a movie but it like everything looks the, like uh, what you would expect it to look like yeah the clip they show where like he's following is he following toad i don't remember exactly yeah what through like, like the little um like the mushroom plaza or whatever yeah and it was like a lot of that is stuff from the game and and like i'm i'm into it well, and, like, there looks like there's a Mario Kart sequence, and, like, they're doing, yeah, like, yeah, the blocks which... and things. Like, it's m- way more faithful than I ever would have guessed. Totally. Steve? 17. 17. Oh, Miles, you're going to be upset. It's the untitled Ghostbusters sequel. <laughs> oh, yeah. that I, I Somebody put out, like, a, a grid that's been on uh, go, making the rounds on social media. It's yeah, yeah. just, like, the big blockbusters of the year. And I saw the Ghostbusters logo at the end of it. It's like, is there a Ghostbusters movie coming out this year? I, it's the sequel to Afterlife. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah um, no, I won't. Though, I, what do you I think of Monster House? Monster House? I like it well enough, but I, he co-wrote it the is, first one. It is his, I'm about to say, it is his movie this time. Yeah, but like... If you had asked me before I saw Afterlife which of them is a better director, I would have said Jason Reitman. So, you know, I don't know that that moves the needle in any meaningful way for me. I mean, I like Reitman better, too. So we'll see. Steve? I just did 17. Yeah. Yeah. Miles, you're up. Eight. Oh, you're not going to like this one either, but you were so close to one you were going to be happy about. Um, actually, the bookends of this one would have delighted you. 
But number eight for me is a good person, the uh, Zach Braff movie that uh, Florence Pugh is starring in. Uh, her and, her and, uh, and Morgan Freeman, which is a solid pairing for any movie. I know the, the Zach Braff at all bugs people, but I'm, I'm into it like a, like a light drama to open up the year. It's not gonna, I don't think it's gonna do that much, but it's a, uh, it looks like a, like, pseudo dramedy. I don't know. It's, it looks like a Zach Braff movie to a degree, so I'm, I'm in more so than most, hence the top 10 placement. I'll just cheat and tell you, Miles, if you're gone number seven, it was Poor Things. Mm. And if you're gone number nine, it was Saw X. Oh my gosh. Which how how the hell did you not do Saw 9 at number 10? Oh, my number 10 is Barbie. What? Fucking I know. flip them around. Are you kidding me? It was right there. <laughs> I know. I could. But I but I am more anticipating that one. Uh, but yeah. So there, there's there's seven through ten, by the way. Okay. Piecing together this list, uh, which that Barbie trailer looked, looked kind of cool. Also, when were you ever going to get 2001 inspiration for a Barbie trailer? I, I don't know what is happening there, but I'm very excited to find out. I was so delighted with, I don't remember where I saw it or heard it, but it was Noah Baumbach talking about the project. Because mostly we've heard Greta Gerwig. But she had said, I met him in both of them. It might have been like a, a white noise conversation. But she said, you know, she went and took the meeting and was like, I'm in, I want to do this. And I, you know what? Noah and I will write the script. So obviously, whoever the producer were like, oh, it's Warner Brothers, right? We're like, yeah, uh, do that. And she came home and told him, he was like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't have an idea for Barbie. Why did you tell them I do this? <laughs> like, it was it was so clear, like a Noah Baumbach character style response of like, I don't I don't have a Barbie pitch. Why did you why did you get me the job writing the Barbie movie? <laughs> uh, so I, I also like recently they've been talking about like they wrote them kind of at a similar time with White Noise. And, and they're like. I don't know that anyone but us is going to get the like the comparison, but we we kind of there might be a, like a thematic thread here or there. You can tell they're just like we know there's some whiplash coming, so like don't worry. Like we think we did a good job. I, oh, I can't believe I'm excited for a party. I listen. Film Twitter is like frothing at the mouth for the Barbie movie. It's gonna. What are you it's gonna doing? Because you have Oppenheimer and Barbie to buy tickets for. Because Kelly's gonna want to see Barbie, right? Uh, we've already talked about it. We're going to do a double feature. <laughs> uh, same day. What's going first? Um, mm, that's might low. be. Uh, we might do Oppenheimer first because I think it's going to be more of a downer, and you want you want to <laughs> yeah. kind of like come up with uh, a Barbie after a Barbie sort of, chaser. Know, the Barbie chaser, exactly. Also, <laughs> wait, do you find out that Oppenheimer is three hours long and Barbie is two ten or something like that? See, I, we joked about that, too, and actually what I'm predicting is that Barbie's three hours long and Oppenheimer's Nolan's tightest movie yet. Yeah, 75 minutes of Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's shorter than Which, following. Yeah, there's no chance just because of how many people are in the movie. Well, no, they all get 30 seconds of screen time. It's how he does it now. I mean, that is how we, we get everyone. Yeah. It's how, we, it's how Damon and, our, and Robert Downey Jr. showed up. Uh, Steve, give me a number. Four. I was hoping someone would pick four. I did. Because it's a movie that I think the title, you won't know what I'm talking about. But once I start to describe it, I don't know that you would have it in your top five. But it's a movie, it's it's the most fascinating movie for me this year. It's, uh, I think I called it Iron Claw, but it's The Iron Claw. So it's another A24. It's directed by Sean Durkin. You like Sean Durkin, right? Of course. Well, you do, yeah. yeah. I, you know, oh, I no, hold Martin on. Marley. I, no, I keep getting... I get Durkin and Baker confused Baker? all the time. No, I do like Martha, Marcy May Marlene. Yeah, and The Nest is good. 
So this is a um, this is a wrestling drama about the the Von Erich family. Oh, oh yeah, well, and it's got a really good cast as the brothers, right? Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harris Dickinson, Lily James, like they're a, more a tyranny. Like they're a, they're a tragic like wrestling family. Yeah, I, I think there might even be murder involved, but like it, like I think this is under the radar going to be an Oscar movie. Wait, uh, like hearing the description and hearing the people involved, it's already giving me like I Tanya vibes a little bit. Uh, probably more serious. Okay, but well, let's see if there's a. Plot. Well, actually, plot with plot. Durkin directing, yeah, it probably would be. Well, it's also it's a biopic. It's going to be harder to be. Um, Here, yeah, covering the triumphant and tragic story of the Von Erich wrestling family. They've had a long-lasting dynasty within the ring. The patriarch Fritz, five of his six sons, followed in his footsteps and became wrestlers, but the toll of the sport and fame came, uh, came I, I think the sentence here is not right, but resulted in the death of four of the five sons. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the Von Erich curse is what it came to be known as. The family's groundbreaking uh, contributions to wrestling. But I don't know exactly how they, but if you look at the, there's some clips, there's not clips, but like Zach Efron posted some stuff, like, they look wild. Like, it's going to definitely lean into that period of wrestling you know like muscle tank tops like bad haircuts uh i'm i'm very very into this movie also sean durkin i think is such a wild choice for this movie you didn't know that he wrote it and like wanted to be making this movie so it's it's gonna be wild like yeah tragedy plagued them five of the six uh sons died prematurely um i'm in like this is this is one of my. This is the under the radar like huge movie for me this year. All right, who's next? Uh, I think that's me. Um, five. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh, nice. That that would definitely be really high up there for me too. I'm especially after that uh, behind the scenes thing they released. Yeah, the the ten minutes on how dangerous this stunt is. Oh my gosh, like it. Mark my words, it's in his contract that if he dies in one of those stunts, they have to finish the movie anyway and just ride around it. Like, he's, it's going to be like, why isn't he promoting Mission Impossible 8? It's like, oh, he died. <laughs> and we get to, we find yeah. out by watching the movie. But also, like, talk about a, a showman to be like, the only thing that scares me more is what we're planning in the next one. Like, oh, shit. Like, what's up next? It's, it's not space because he's got his own space movie going, but still. One, like, what, like, because they've kind of been going from strength to strength with the past few. So, like, what, wh how are we going to top, like, the Burj Khalifa and being on an airplane and stuff? Like, I mean, the motorcycle thing looks epic, don't get me wrong, but surely there's, like, a really big thing under their sleeve for eight. Yeah, I have no idea, but I'm in. Steve? Uh, how about number two? Killers of the Flower Moon. That came out this year. Oh, wait, no, it didn't. Yes, I know. <laughs> Holdover from last year's list, though. Mm -hmm. And maybe the year before? Maybe. And and honestly, possibly next year as well. Yeah, like, we think it's coming out next year, but we don't know for sure. I, I couldn't tell you that it's done. Is Scorsese going to spend two years editing it? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's been known to. Face swapping? DHing Emmy? Oh God, not uh, not again. I don't know about <laughs> that, but editing. Hopefully not, please. He, he is a he is a Ian Thelma, or let's say uh, they're not hurried. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. They they don't they don't work as if the clock is uh, is ticking. Um, here, let's let's wrap up the top ten because there's only two left in that, and then we'll get to some more of the fun ones. Uh, number six, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and number one, Oppenheimer. I think just at this point, I'm so curious about it because it's still kind of a mystery exactly how they're gonna like put this movie forward. And my number three is Maestro. Oh yeah, Bradley well, Cooper doing uh, Bird's yeah, Day. like. If it fails, it'll fail spectacularly. But in terms yeah. of, also, I think it's a Netflix movie. Like, yeah, that sounds that's right. That's gonna be a, like that's gonna be a big push. And 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 as much as people like, you know, I don't think anyone here dislikes Netflix. I certainly appreciate what they do for the world. There's there's the downside of like not really getting to see things in theaters beyond in our position where like it's made available. But they also tie in their movies very well. Like they can do some really cool stuff with the work of Bernstein to like promote this movie. That is what having a budget allows you to do. Um, give me a number out of the top ten now. Also, I'll just throw out there, you've got Indiana Jones shockingly high. I, I think the James Mangold all has me a little more excited than I should be. Well, that, that like, to me is the most exciting element, because I think it does need like a fresh perspective at this point. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not like wildly interested in the new Indiana Jones, beyond the fact that like, I don't know. James Gray kind of make anything he wants, but he took this job. There's something about it. And yeah. the trailer did admittedly look pretty good. Oh, no, totally. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah. How about 50? 50. 50 is a movie. Oh, it's You People. The, uh, is it Amazon? With um, Jonah Hill? Oh, um... Might be Netflix. Might be Netflix. Yeah, Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill. Yeah, I want to say it's Netflix. Eddie Murphy's been doing a fair bit with Netflix. Yeah. He, uh, Jonah Hill co-wrote it with Kenya Barris, who directs. I don't know. I'm a sucker for, like, a like a comedy. And, like, I don't think it's going to be a, um, like, Apatel-style comedy, but I'm, I'm interested. I like Jonah Hill. I mean, Eddie Murphy doesn't work that often. And, uh... Kenya Barris is an interesting voice and like has been doing a sort of wildly diverse range of things lately, so I'm I'm curious. There's a reason it's fifty though. I think it's like upward mobility is somewhat limited. That's fair. Yeah. Steve? Um seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Hey, Infinity Pool. Oh yeah. Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah, some of the once we Bless you. The uh, the lower we get, some of these are ones that people are more interested in than I am. But I'm I'm also kind of like, hmm, we'll see. Um, Steve, you just went. Miles, give me one. Uh, twenty two. Twenty two. Megalopolis. Man, that I don't know if I'm excited for it, but I'm definitely fascinated by it. I had it higher until I was like, I don't know that I'm going to like actually enjoy this movie when it comes out. But I'm, I'm so keen to see what it actually is after so long of like I want to make this movie and I'll I'll sell some shit to make it like, and you got a good cast. Also, I love that this like giant passion project from like Francis Ford Coppola, like a very careful filmmaker, is sandwiched between two of the most divergent movies from this one possible. So I'll give you twenty one, twenty three, twenty three is the Flash. What at this point you just, I just gotta see it. I don't know, man. I don't think it should even be on there, but go ahead. 
I mean, they keep editing it so many times that like I don't know what it's going to be. And number twenty one is the um, the delayed Adam Sandler movie Spaceman, where he plays the uh, the true story of that uh, that uh, astronaut. I think it, it actually seems like it could potentially be a pretty good year for Sandler. But um, what the hell was it? It's the it's based on a novel. It's what what country is it? I don't want to I don't want to get it wrong. It is based on the novel Sp- Spaceman of Bohemia. The first independent Czech Republic astronaut. I'm curious. Is he playing um, Czech? Yeah, he's playing the astronaut. Huh. It is. Oh, it's a Netflix movie now. I guess he does have that relationship with them that like. But it's produced by Channing Tatum and Reed Carolyn. So they might. I think they were initially interested in it. The director of it is the director of movie I wasn't super fond of but was admittedly a swing downloading Nancy but on TV I believe has done um, he did Chernobyl oh sure bunch of episodes of that and did some episodes of The Walking Dead Breaking Bad like helping catch fire like is actually doing the pilot of the Dune Sisterhood thing so like Johan Renk the Swedish director like he's he's a he's a well regarded filmmaker sure and I'm I'm very curious like Adam Sandler, Paul Dano, Carrie Mulligan, Isabella Rossellini. It's a good lineup. Yeah, it's yeah, Kunel um, Nayar from The Big Bang Theory. Less of that, but um, shot wrapped in July of 2021. I don't know when it got picked up by Netflix. Maybe it always was Netflix. Maybe it always was. I don't know because it's not. It's not a Happy Madison or anything like that. Max Richter uh, score. Like this doesn't sound like a like a like a like a Sandler comedy. No, it always has me fascinated. All right, next number. Uh, Steve, Who's I that? think that's you. Oh, it's me. Yeah. Um, thirty-one. Thirty-one. Thirty-one is May December, which you know hmm. the. The romance itself is a uh, term. It this is Todd Haynes' new movie with oh. a May December romance between Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Mm, okay. I mean, I I don't. It sounds so standard for him, but it, I it, it definitely won't be. But I mean, I get then again, Dark Water was, and it still was fine. Yeah, hard to know. There's a lot of different ways that could go. Yeah, it could turn into it could turn into Oscar bait, but you know, he didn't write it. I don't know if that matters that much because he he doesn't write plenty of his stuff. But in terms of like a, an adult romance, some definite potential there. All right, give me another one. Uh, let's go with ninety nine. Ninety nine. Well, here, here's our artificial stopping point. The first time we repeat a number, we can stop. <laughs> My number 99 is 80 for Brady. What is that even old. doing on there? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. There's a lot of old ladies in that movie that I like. I guess. And I, I honestly, the, 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 <laughs> Jane, the Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin pairings have worked for me. So, I, I mean, listen. Also, you want to hear the... So I mean, obviously you're you're looking at it as, as like garbage for the most part. Who do you think is the cinematographer of this movie? 
Oh, I do remember hearing that and being like, what the fuck? Is it like Robbie Richardson or someone? It's not. But it's someone with, uh, I believe, two Oscars. It's not Deacons, surely. It's a three-time nominee with two Oscars. It's not Deacons. But you're in the ballpark is the thing. What? With the best part being, it's not someone who works that often. Oh, now I have no idea. It's John Toll. John Toll, who's going from The Matrix Resurrections to AD for Brady. Huh. Yeah, that's why I was like, "Ah, I I don't think it's going to reflect in the movie necessarily. I mean, you know, paycheck is nice sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Steve, hit me with another number. Uh, Eight. Eight. We did the top ten already, but I'll, I'll, I'll count it as I didn't. You didn't say the number. We're done with the top ten because eight was a good person. Oh, um, eleven. Dune Part Two. There you go. Oh, that's this year. Wow. Supposedly. I think I it will be. Probably. They've already wrapped filming. I think they got time. Really? I think the edit- wow. I think the editing process will be determined there. Um, but yeah, there's no reason to assume it won't come out yet. Uh, I think they wrapped because I was I was just talking to someone about. The Globes, when we wrap up by talking about that quickly, um, with like who's gonna bother showing, and I was like, Well, maybe Austin Butler can't show because he's making Doom, but someone said I think they wrapped already, yeah, because he, he was one of the, the additions to the cast. I mean, listen, I was not excited for the first one, as we all know, and I was proven mostly wrong. I, I, I didn't like make my top 10 or anything, but I largely enjoyed it, so I'm curious to see how it'll wrap. I, I, I do maintain that seeing it. In IMAX at Toronto, like that was definitely beneficial. So I don't know how it'll happen this time, but you know, I liked it. I, I still I was very amused by when I saw it with my ex. She was there with me at, at Toronto, and I turned and said, "What do you think?" She went, "Oh, it's my favorite Star Wars movie." <laughs> and I thought that was a very clever type of uh, evaluation of Dune, which you know, considering where Star Wars is going at the moment, maybe Dune is the best Star Wars movie. I don't know. The, uh, Miles, next up. Uh, how about... I'm trying to think what we haven't done. I'll give you 12 while you think, just because it's so funny to go from Dune to the next one. It's Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> that looks like it could be something. I, 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 I love the Magic Mike movies. I don't know why. There's no good reason to. Except like, that they're very well made. Exactly. Like I, I will always remember that first one. Most people going into it like it's a joke. Like, I remember, like, critics, like, walking in, like, fake stripping. Mike Ryan hired a male uh, stripper to come with him and watch the movie to give his review. Like, that, you know, you were treating it like a joke. And I remember, like, five or ten minutes in, you heard it get a little quieter because people were like, oh, we're watching a Soderbergh movie. I forgot. And I maintain the second one might be better. I haven't seen like, the, the second, second one, one yet, but I'll probably catch it before the, a new one. Is one of the most sex-positive Hollywood movies I've seen in a long time. And it's just, it's joyful. Inexplicably joyful. Um, so what number did you want to go with? Uh, 37. In a row. Uh, Shirley. Netflix's biopic of Shirley Chisholm. Uh, one of, if not the first women to run for president. Oh, and it's, it's uh, uh, who, who is... Pl- Regina King. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, that could be good. Oh, shameless Oscar bait. But very much a... Uh, a potential for something um, that we will be watching. I mean, the funny part is, I believe it was 
thought of as a movie, I don't think it was two years ago, but maybe last year. So yeah, follows the biopic about Shirley Chisholm, America's first black congresswoman. Uh, John Ridley directed it and wrote it. Okay. Uh, Gina King, Lucas Hedges, Lance Riddick, W.R.L. Brown, Terrence Howard, Andre Holland. Um, listen, it's it's a biopic. It's not it's not going to be your thing necessarily, but I think well done. It also it's got a political edge to it. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, no, I think that definitely has potential. Yeah, Steve. 100 for the win. Oh, it's not a win, but it's a movie. Um, so I always end on something like stupid, right? So um, my number 100 is the Meg to the Trench, <laughs> which I forgot exists. Also, definitely doesn't have um, Statham in it, right? I think it does. Oh, he's in it. Why isn't it like Ben Wheatley directing it? Oh shit! It is Ben Wheatley. Jesus Christ! I'm glad I kept it on the list. <laughs> oh, the joke one that like ben is going to be inexplicably better than the first one. I mean, the bar is low. Well, that's why I feel confident saying it. Yeah, it can't yeah. be worse, can it? <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. All right, Steve went a hundred. Where are you going? Uh, See if we can find a wild one. I'm trying. I mean, you have no idea, but well, yeah, I'm trying to think like where you would put a wild one. Uh, thirty. Let's go to thirty. Thirty is not a wild one, but it is one that I think we're all interested in. It's the bike riders. Bike riders is directed by. Jeff oh Davis. yeah, this one has a really good cast: Austin Butler, Tom Hardy, Jodie Comer, Norman Reedus, Michael Shannon, of course. Lloyd Holbrook, uh, Mike Faced from uh, West Side Story. That is a good uh, cast. Carl Glusman, Emery Cohen, um, the guy who played um, Manson in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's based on a book, fictional story inspired by the 1968 photo book of the same name by Danny Lyon. So it's going to be, uh, it's a 1960 set Midwestern motorcycle club movie. No, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, and this was what he did um, when he dropped out of the um, the Quiet, uh, place, quiet place. Yeah, although yeah. that still sounds like it's going to be pretty good with um, the Pig director and Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, I'm still interested in that. Steve, where are we going? We haven't hit a we haven't hit a loser yet. Everything has had at least something to go for it. Did we do like, 27? Well, yet? the Flash. <laughs> well, Flash. Flash is a high-profile movie this year. Mm. It just is somewhat tainted. Um, what did you say, 27? Bo is Afraid. I don't... Known as Disappointment Boulevard. Such a worse title. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's very strange that they put Joaquin Phoenix's name on the poster, but the child on the poster. So you're like, wait, is he playing that child? Like, is this a CGI thing? I mean, the child looks a little rubbery, so like maybe, unless maybe. anyone's identified that it's a specific kid actor. I believe it is, though. Well, then, okay. That's what makes me very confused by it. I mean, I, who knows? Because it's, it's clearly going in a different direction from Hereditary and Midsommar. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Ari Aster, so there's no way to know what's going on here. Um, Joaquin Phoenix plays Bo. But I'm pretty sure I saw... Yeah, the, Armin Nahapititian is Teen Bo. And that's who's on the poster. 
Okay. <laughs> Michael Gandolfini, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Zoe Lister-Jones, Patty Lupone, Nathan Lane, Amy Ryan, Parker Posey. A decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. And it's a horror comedy mystery? <laughs> it's, it's I don't know. It's a fascinating mystery, and I hate it. Yeah. All right. Next up. Oh. Uh, 59. 59 is Havoc. With a super generic title, I have to look up what that is. Why did I say Havoc? Havoc? Gareth Evans, that's why. Oh, well, that'll do it. Starring Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Super Story into and it. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, the story is set after a drug deal gone wrong when a bruised detective must fight his way through a criminal underworld to rescue a politician's estranged, I'm going to go with probably daughter. Yeah, I'm in. That sounds great. That worked out great. Shitty title. Possibly great movie. Steve? Hmm. 22? Megalopolis, we did that one already. Oh, 20, I meant 23. Uh, with Flash, we did it already. Strike three and you're out. So I mean, more. 20, 21. Spaceman, I mentioned that, but I didn't, I didn't quite. I'll give you one more. 24? Creed 3. See? 24. Oh, yeah. Threed. Just by the skin of your teeth. Isn't it interesting that there's two Jonathan Majors antagonistic movies in the first section of this year? Well, I remember uh, being in the theaters, um, I want to say around like September-ish time, and you would see the trailers for Ant-Man, you'd <clears> see <throat> Creed 3, and you'd see Devotion, like sometimes yeah. like all three back to back. And it's like, this dude is coming for Hollywood and I am here for it. When I interviewed him, I asked him about it. Like, he's not, he's like, yeah, like there's, he's into it. Uh, by the way, Steve, say 41 real quick. 41 real quick. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Ah, what a coincidence. See, everything we just said still applies. Miles? Oh. Uh, um, say 45 for a second while you think of the next number. 45. Civil War, the new Alex Garland movie. Oh, yeah, and possibly last Alex Garland movie based on yeah, a, an interview. Yeah, he's like, fuck, fuck, making, fuck directing movies. I just want to write. This is so yeah. much work. <laughs> kind of. And then you don't see it. All right. Um, actual number. 71. 71. Eh, that's amazing. It's your movie. It's 65. Oh, the Adam Driver versus Dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I resisted the urge to put it at 65 just because it would bother me to look at 65.65. That's fair. But yeah, it, it's probably not going to be good, but like, I love that it exists. I think it could be also, good. I think it'll be also very... I'm sure it'll be good in like a Violent Night kind of way where it's exactly sure. what it's trying to be. Also, what's more me than... Quickly, say 73. 73. Asteroid City, I have it higher than the Wes Anderson movie. Wow. Well, we know how I feel about Wes Anderson. I actually think this one sounds really good. And, I, mean, I mean, they listen, all have good never, cast, but this cast in particular is I also is never good. hate a Wes Anderson movie. I'm just always left going, why does everyone love these? But yes, this one definitely is out there enough and has, like, potentially a plot, which helps. And I do like, like, a large amount of people in this movie. 
I like Maya Hawk. I like Scarlett Johansson. I like Margot Robbie. I like Bill Murray. I like Tom Hanks. Like, you know, there's not it. I mean, Carell is in this. Yeah, well, he, he apparently I'm, I'm, took over the uh, Bill Murray role. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he might. He's not. He he's listed on Wikipedia, but I think he is. Uh, what they say? He was um, sick or unavailable. Let's go with shot. unavailable because there may be yeah, yeah. bigger reasons. Well, yeah, I, I think I think his his friend was like, we probably should take a take a movie off. Yeah, you know, and it seems like Bill Murray was also like, yeah, that's probably not a terrible idea. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 curious. World changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention. Sounds like a Wes Anderson movie. We'll see. Uh, each of you can give me two more, and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, twenty-one. Oh no, no, we already I did, did that. Um, twenty-two. No, just kidding. No, I know. I know. Forty-six. The Marvels. I mean, we know nothing about this movie, but I like Nia DaCosta after the Candyman reboot. So sure, it was a, it was a good gig to get, and you know. We, I think they've largely had good luck with um, the the last couple phases being pseudo team up movies. Yeah, no, I I think I, it's a cool way to sort of integrate some of these characters that maybe wouldn't get their own movie. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's got a lot of potential, especially if they're going if it's going to be doing some like plot wise heavy lifting. You know, in a way that I think it's it's loose enough in in how people feel about Captain Marvel in in the same way that I'm a little puzzled how like Ant-Man and the Wasp is gonna give us Kang but you know we'll see he's certainly there yeah no I'm right. interested in what comes next yeah give me your give me your last one um uh, 65 well I mean okay well uh, you each get one more oh. uh, that's Priscilla the uh, Priscilla Presley movie, which I, I'm not going to say I'm like super interested in, except um, the movie is a Sofia Coppola film. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, there's something there. Could be. Even though I don't need another Elvis movie. But maybe this one will I'll have a little bit more of like a perspective that I don't think the other one had. We'll see. Steve, you want to do your last one? And then we'll, we'll, we'll snake back to Miles? Sure. Um, Choose wisely. Did I say 33? You did not. And it actually worked out great. It's a movie that I think is probably very high on your list. Actually, both of you. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Oh, yeah. Hell, that's, yeah. Well, that's no, no Part me. 1 anymore. They changed it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? The next one's going to be called something else. Well, oh, it was originally okay. Across the Spider-Verse Parts 1 and 2, and now it's going to be this one is Across, and then the next one is Beyond the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually just rewatched uh the first one like a couple of days ago. It absolutely holds up, and I'm super excited for the new one. Yeah, I got to watch that one again. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right, you wrap us up. Um, don't say 14 just because you have nothing to say about that movie. Well, now I'm curious what it is. I'll, I'll say what it is after, but you don't want to say 14. I'm just giving you a hint there. Uh, but you may want to be in the teens. Oh, okay. Uh, 18. You can go, you can, um, not what it was. That's the actor. The, um, 
the Ryan Gosling movie. Oh, who's doing that? Duke. Right, that's the Anomalisa guy, right? I'm yeah, sure Duke Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah. does sound really interesting. Yeah, like, I, I have... I, I don't know what it's going to do, but, like, sounds sounds really interesting. And, like, you know, Gosling is picky enough. You know, well, not picky. Picky might be the wrong word. But, like, doesn't overexpose himself recently. That usually there's a reason why he picks up. Right, exactly. Or, like, if he's doing a big movie, it's like, he's doing Doom. All right, I, okay, that's interesting enough, you know. Um, I told you not to pick 14 because it's Scream 6, and I know you're indifferent. Oh, yeah. Though, did you see that poster of, like, the subway-looking, like, situation? Yeah, no, it's, all the, like, it's the victims. a neat That thing. was pretty clever. I, I tell uh, you what, this one is grinding my gears mainly because I hate how they're doing the title treatment. And it's sure. especially annoying because A, the series hadn't used Roman numerals up till then, and B, the last one is just a scream again. So now you've got this weird, like, I think it's just because they knew if they incorporated the title in the last one, they'd have to call it Five Cream, and that, like, yeah. <laughs> isn't a good look. Yeah, um, no, that's not going to work. So, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of our reboot kind of movies with these title situations are going to run into this problem. Well, I'd like, listen, Halloween has been digging itself into all sorts of weird, you know, naming conventions. Same with Texas Chainsaw. Yes, we've got three Halloweens. Well, yeah. Is there another Texas Chainsaw coming out? Probably, right? There is. Or no, no. Or no, because the Netflix one. But there's the video game that's about to come out. And then there's probably another one on the docket somewhere because somebody's always making one. But um, yeah, so it's just. I don't know. But yeah, that's it. I'm probably not going to see. You, yeah, probably not. 16 would have also worked because it's a killer adventure movie. That I am interested in. Where did you have uh, Guardians 3? 20. Ah, I was trying to look for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the rest of the teens that we didn't do. 13 is, I don't know if it'll come out this year, but the untitled Safdie Brothers Adam Sandler project. Oh, is like that the one that maybe Brad Pitt will be in? No, that's a, that's a Noah Baumbach movie. Noah Baumbach, that's right. This one is supposedly like maybe set in the world of like cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that could be interesting with Sandler. But you never quite know when they're filming. And I feel like they probably edit quick. Right. Um, uh, 15 is Air Jordan, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie. Kind oh, of about, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That could be good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's such an unusual I don't know that that'll project. be ready next year, though. I haven't heard about much forward momentum on it. Can I see a release date? Let me check. It's I mean, it to- it, they could totally get it ready in time, but just also, like, I never saw anything that, like, they had started filming or anything like that. That's true. Uh, and they're also both very busy. <laughs> yeah, they were they were announcing cast back in June, so. Yeah, well, then maybe, they, the way. maybe they're moving along on it, then. Maybe. And then um, The Killer at 16, and then 19 is No Hard Feelings. Which is, oh, that's um, the Jennifer Lawrence, like, um, raunchy comedy from the uh, Bad Teacher Guy. Oh, okay. Where I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I plot under wraps, but, like, I'm into, I, I, I like her enough that I'm I'm down for almost anything she does. Yeah, fair enough. So we will see. All right, before we wrap up, since we're only going to give it a tiny bit of attention, because it still is, is shitty, but by the time, like I said, we record the next episode... The Golden Globes will have happened. Um, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there, did it happen? But that's not the story. Let's quickly um, give our, our shot the dark predictions. Um, we'll skip TV because Miles and I don't watch TV. Steve, you're welcome to contribute in any way about television. 
in whatever form you're I, going for. Uh, I probably will on the site, but not here. Yeah. Uh, feel free to update <coughs> on the back end also. I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna go category by category, but my big prediction is that Elvis is gonna do really well, and that'll mm-hmm. sort of be like I. I can see it doing both picture and actor, but then like it doesn't. None of it translates uh, to the Oscars. Oh, here, well, let's quickly see. Um, for original song, you've got the Where the Crawdads Sing, the Taylor Swift song. You've got the Del Toro Pinocchio song, Chop Papa. You got Hold My Hand from Top Gun, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, and Not Too Not Too from RRR. They're probably not cool enough for Natu Natu, so my guess is they go with either the Gaga or the Rihanna song. I'm saying, where are you? What do you think? Rihanna. Um, let's look at what I have predicted, which I may update. I probably will update before Tuesday. But I currently have Rihanna and then uh, Gaga too. Score. Um, John Williams, The Fablemans, hang on, Justin Hurwitz, Babylon, and uh, Displa for Pinocchio, Hildor for Women's Rock, and Carter for Love Angels. Uh, I would guess Babylon with Fablemans as runner-up. Fair. Hmm. I'm going to go with Women Talking with Babylon runner-up. Interesting. Uh, I have the Fablemans at one and Babylon at two. I may switch that. Switch that because they they did like Babylon quite a bit. We'll see. Uh, screenplay: Todd Field, Tara, The Daniels, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Martin McDonough, The Banshees, Sarah Polly, Women Talking, Spielberg, and Kushner, The Fablemans. Uh, I'm thinking they go Banshees with uh, Tar as the runner-up. Steve. Same. Actually, have everything everywhere at one. Banshees two. I don't know if I'm going to keep that, but they may want to give something for that. Some of the other categories. Uh, director Cameron for Avatar, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere at Once, Baz Luhrmann, Elvis, Martin McDonough, Banshees, Spielberg for the. I can see them going with Cameron, and maybe Daniels is number two. They went for Cameron the first time, right? I want to say they did. Yeah. I'll say the Daniels. I um, have uh, Spielberg. I also don't have the Daniels list for some reason. Who did I have? Oh, I still have Todd Field list. I got to that. Um, I think it could be a Spielberg night. I don't know. Maybe, but I, I, it's like you wanted predict it but it all it seems so easy but yeah like is that what they're gonna go for i'm not convinced well here's the first example of is it gonna be an oscar night or not supporting actor brendan gleason for banshees barry keegan for banshees brad pitt for babylon keith waikwan for everything everywhere at once eddie redmayne the good nurse conventional (sighs) wisdom suggests something but (laughs) it is the globes it is the baron taylor johnson one ah that's true I mean, I'm I'm gonna resist my worst impulses, uh, which tell me that Eddie Redmayne's gonna get it, um, <laughs> and I'm gonna say that they're gonna be smart enough that if if they only give everything everywhere one uh, throughout the night, then I think this might be it. So I'm guessing Quan with uh, Gleason as my number two. Hmm. I'm going Quan. 
Uh, I have the same one too. Though I think the if they're gonna if the globes are gonna globe, they might globe with Brad Pitt. Oh, true. Ugh. Which yeah, I, could I like, can't see it. I don't know. They well, they nominated they're, they're, it, so yep. I, I can actually. Actors. I think Pitt's more likely than Redmayne now that I think about it. Yeah. Also, they like that film a lot. Yeah. Because they, because listen, Kate Winslet won supporting actress when we thought she was third or fourth, because they like that movie. It happens. Supporting actress Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Gary Condon, Banshees, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere, Dolly De Leon, Triangle of Sadness, Carrie Mulligan, She Said. I think they might go <laughs> Angela Bassett. Actually, Same I can I can see that. I um I'm gonna probably make that change because I still had um Carrie Mulligan winning because I do think it's the easiest win like give her an oscar kind of thing mm-hmm. but the category is so in flux still and i think the angela bassett win kind of works in that same way and also again they don't think that way but if you had to guess who's more likely to get nominated again carrie mulligan or angela bassett you probably have to say carrie mulligan yeah and also you know there's that weird like maybe she wins for like a lead performance you know also it's edging towards category forward there's all that um, that said don't rule out jamie lee curtis in this category because that could definitely yes. be the weird one they do well she also wants it more than anyone else yeah well sometimes that yeah. helps that's true non-english language feature formerly foreign language to remind you that they're they're getting better just ask them all quiet on the western front argentina 1985 close decision to leave rrr uh, I think probably RRR just because it's in other categories, or at least the one. Uh, but mm-hmm. de- decision to leave is a close second. Steve, yeah, I'll say RRR as well. I was going to say All Quiet on the West- Western Front as uh, my second. I have All Quiet just because I think it's kind of the Oscar front runner at the moment. But RRR at a two, like because they do they do deviate from the Oscars. Well, having it in international film is deviating. Yeah, well, but yeah. Which, not by their choice, um, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, animated, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. You, the G Kids movie that no one ever until got nominated. Marcel the Shell, which she was on Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Turning Red. Um, I mean, Pinocchio is the right choice, which makes me think they're not going to go with it. Yeah, same. Uh, I, 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 my prediction is they go with Marcel the Shell. But maybe Pinocchio is number two if they come to their senses. Hmm. Hmm. It's a tough one. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be turning red. I can definitely uh, I see it. Wonder if anyone listening is going to remember what we picked. Oh, I won't. Yeah. Whatever. Um, actor in a musical or comedy: Diego Calva, Babylon. Daniel Craig, Glass Onion. Adam Driver, White <coughs> White Noise. Colin Farrell, Banshees, and Ray Fiennes, The Menu. Not a terrible comedy lineup, considering how bad they have been in the past. It's actually pretty solid. I don't love The Menu, but like nothing really to complain about. Yeah, no, it's a really solid lineup. A little strange with no Sandler, but that's but it's also that movie is kind of in between comedy and drama. Yeah. I think, I mean, all conventional wisdom would say that Farrell has this one in the bag, and I think he probably does. It's hard. It's it's hard for me to be fully confident in anyone else. Yeah. Who's your two? 
Like I think we're probably two. all on Colin Farrell. Steve, right? Yes. Same. Yeah. Can I have Daniel Craig? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was trying to think who I did. Yeah. Daniel Craig. If, if uh, Banshees wasn't competing, I would say it would be Craig's to lose. But because he's going up against somebody who's like at least number two in best actor overall. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's Farrell, but then Craig. I'm going to go two with Calva. They do like the movie a lot. Yeah. And it is the Globes. Yep. Well, we're, this is the category where they globed. Uh, actress in the comedy. Leslie Manville, Mrs. Harris, goes to Paris. Margot Robbie Babylon, Anya Taylor-Joy, The Menu, Emma Thompson, good luck to you, Leo Grand, Michelle Yao, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I got to imagine Yao or Robbie, right? It's between the two. I'm not 100% sure who I lean towards. I'd love to see Yo, but I can't imagine them going with both her and Juan. They could, but... I mean, I, we talk about the, I think, the Oscars uh, loving the hot blonde, but Globes do too. I think... I see Robbie happening more, unfortunately, mm. but yeah, it was my close number two. Steve? <laughs> I see... I have Yao one, but I have Robbie two, and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm keeping it that way. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I have Yao as yeah. number one but you know it's y- you never know it, it could be uh, it could be thompson who knows I, 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 I mean it's not gonna be leslie Mandel. that's that's the one no <laughs> and probably not on you taylor joy yeah i don't no. see that happening musical or comedy babylon banshees everything everywhere glass onion triangle of sadness i'm thinking either Everything Everywhere or Babylon in that order. Hmm. Hmm. I'm thinking Banshees. I was say I have Banshees. My my current order, and again this is from like nomination day. I haven't updated it in a while. Um, Banshees one, Everything Everywhere two, Babylon three, Glass Onion four, Triangle five. But I would say the top four all have a chance. Yep, yeah, I would agree. I'd be very shocked if Triangle uh, were to win. Actor in a drama. This one actually has a little bit of drama here. Nominees are Austin Butler, Elvis, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Hugh Jackman, The Sun. Sorry, I'm not supposed to laugh. Um, <laughs> Bill Nye, Living, and Jeremy Pope, The Inspection. I think so, the Brendan Fraser issue has so many thorny politics that have nothing to do with the film itself. I, my hunch is that they they nominated him as like kind of a good faith gesture, but I feel like having him win because they know he's not going to show up, and I I feel like they're going to try and avoid that. So I think for this particular situation, that Austin Butler has the best chance. He does, but here's the thing, um, and I'm predicting Austin Butler. I I don't think Bill Nighy, Hugh Jackman, or Jeremy Pope have a chance. No. So. Anyone who's not into Austin Butler is probably still voting for Brendan Fraser. So if there's a concerted, like, let's avoid the whole Brendan thing and just give it to someone else, you need everyone to vote for Austin Butler. And if anyone doesn't like Elvis and you don't vote for him, you're essentially voting for Fraser anyway. Yeah, I can see that. third party presidential candidate of it all. So there's a world in which they try to have him lose and he still wins. I think the more likely outcome is Austin Butler wins because it's also so very clearly their type of thing. But it, it would be funny. We'll never know. But if they tried to avoid it happening, it still happens. 
Steve, what do you think? Fraser. Oh, interesting. Definitely a chance. All right. Uh, actress in a drama. Kate Blanchett, Tar. Olivia Coleman, Empire of Light. Viola Davis, The Woman King. Ana de Armas, Blonde. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Uh, I think this is Kate Blanchett's to lose. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I don't know. I mean, Davis and Coleman seem like filler. Not that they're not, but like, you yeah, know. but I wouldn't count them out either. I don't. I don't think either no. one is. I think they have more of a chance of winning this category than like a Jeremy Pope would have in Best Actor, for example. Totally. Though I think honestly, the Anna de Armas one-off nomination. She's such their type of actress in like a surprise win thing that like I'm. I'm it's hard to put her lower than three for me. Yeah, maybe. It's probably, it's probably just Kate Blanchett. I, I think it's probably, cl- like, I'm having a tough time with who my number two would be. Maybe Michelle, Michelle Williams. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Steve? I'm going Blanchett. I, I don't, like yeah. you said, I can't see a number two. But uh, the Armist speak for that reason. I think, you know, you, you, uh, the Globes always surprise me. I mean. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes good, mostly for bad. Yeah. Well, that's a thing. So it's... <laughs> Well, they had both. And honestly, nothing seemed bad. It was more like the whole um, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris thing was like, yeah, that's something you would do. But it was apparently a like lovely little movie that like for what it was doing was fine. Motion picture drama where it all wraps up. Avatar, Elvis, mm-hmm. Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Um... I, I, it's hard to say. Like, I don't feel. I, I don't think Top Gun will win. Really? Because I was saying I think Top Gun has a very good chance of winning. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. So I. I so here's the thing. I, I. I don't know. So my my initial. Maybe if it had shown up in day, other categories a bit better. Yeah, but it yeah, could it, it a, could do like song and picture and that's it or maybe. something. So my initial ranking was Top Gun five, Avatar four, Elvis three, Tar two, Fableman one. I still think Fablemans has a good chance. I think Tar is too arty for the Globes to actually win anything like that. That's fair. I, yeah, I, honestly, Tar would probably be my five. I was going to say, uh, I, I'd kind of flip your picks. Interesting. I, th- I, I think, think Avatar has a very like real chance. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sold that, they, that they'll love the Fablemans that much. It's um, a thing. I think, I think, I think it could a... happen, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that this this is what makes this category actually interesting, is the I mean, essentially all five have a chance because it depends on what your perspective is and what they're prioritizing. Yeah, I, I, like if anything, I could see it going to Elvis or um, or even Avatar. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Fableman's like it's it, it's the conventional wisdom pick, but it's all it seems too obvious. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I have to figure out my final predictions not that i'm gonna pay like so much too much attention to them but i do not know is the thing it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting kind of interesting thing i don't know um here let's let's we certainly made up for lost time let's uh also we're all coughing so like it's time to go say where you can be followed um tell me because i'm sure i've seen everything that you you're gonna bring up Say what you've missed, what we what you caught up on while we were, while you were off off air, Steve. If you have another thing, you can too. And uh, next week we'll talk about the Globe results. We will. Uh, you guys know my top ten, but we'll go over everyone else's. 
and we'll talk about my awards for the year, and you guys can give out some as well. So, uh, Miles, do your thing and fill in on Avatar. And is there any another movie? Uh, I can talk about Moonfall for a second. <laughs> yeah, um, sure, that that piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can follow me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M Y L E S on Film. You can also check out my writing on both Awards Radar and Looper. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Uh, A lot of the movies that I saw since the last time I was on, we kind of already touched on, like Empire of Light, Babylon the Whale, etc. Triangle of Sadness. Uh, The ones we didn't touch on, uh, I did see Moonfall on the plane at my brother's insistence. It might be the stupidest movie that anyone's ever made. And I saw Shark Side of the Moon this year. Yeah. Um, the moon chases them. It like the jump scares with the moon, <laughs> where it's like, ah, it's following us, are like some of the funniest stuff I've seen all year. Um, it's not consistently funny bad enough to be like a so bad it's good kind of classic, but it it comes pretty damn close at times. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's stupid and garbage. Yeah. Um, I saw Strange World last night, and it's kind of whatever. It's yep. Yeah. I I kind of watched it, and I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, it's it's pretty, but like the characters and the plot and everything is just like, like it's just not up to standard for Disney stuff. Like, say what you will about their stuff, but there's usually a, a certain degree of baseline quality, and this comes very much short of that. Agreed. Um, and then obviously the big one um, that I saw was Avatar, and uh, it's good. It's probably better than the first one. Um, it's still way too fucking long. They're both way too yes. fucking long. Uh, and, you know, you really feel it in a movie that insists that you hold your pee while showing you the most gorgeous water you've ever seen. Um, but well, as he told you, you just go to the bathroom, come back and see it again. Give me more money. Yeah, yeah. Very presumptuous. Um, I mean, listen, obviously the proof's in the pudding because it's doing really well. But I think yeah, the, it's working. The, the third one is going to be the real test because I think this one had a lot of nostalgia helping it out. Well, they're just going to go to, like, the... They're going to have to run to the, the fire tribe. Yeah, the volcano and, you know. tribe. And then they'll spend an hour learning about how the volcano people work. And then they'll do a, a big action scene against Stephen Lang and then rinse, repeat for four. Um, no, they'll drop, him in, they'll drop him in the volcano for three. They'll, they'll have to figure out a new volcano for four. I, You're going to Earth. No, no, they'll Avatar drop him in the volcano love. and they'll find a third way to bring him back to life. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I don't think they're getting rid of him anytime soon. I do. Yeah, I mean, listen, here's what I'll say. When he said when James Cameron said he's going to spend the rest of his year career um, doing Avatar sequels, I was very disappointed because he's done some of the best action movies of all time. And the first one is just it's beautiful, but it never quite swept me away in the way that it has with a lot of people. After seeing the second one, I'm probably a bit more amenable to seeing one or two more. I don't know that I'm ready for like three more, but like. I'm looking forward to three a little bit more than I would have been. Um, so, so that's a success. Visually stunning. You know, it's 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 good. It's solid. I like the family yeah. stuff. Sam Worthington's much less stiff. Like, I think they underuse Zoe Saldana to an almost criminal degree. But and Kate, Kate, Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah, anybody could have played that role. Um, but, you know, Stephen Lang's good. Cliff Curtis is good. There's it's. I, I don't know who this is for because everyone's seen it already, but yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's doing it's doing its thing. Um, yeah, he, he, the ending is all of James Cameron's movies. Yeah, all but, all playing at the same time. 
Yeah, but I mean, he does it in a way where you're like, I, I, I kind of am okay with it, uh, which is not nothing. Yeah, no, you, uh, you get Steve. swept away in it for sure. Yeah, exactly. In the water while you're like, I really got to pee. Um, Steve, do your thing, and if you want to chime in on anything, feel free to. I probably won't chime in, but I will do my thing. Uh, you can Don't find me that. at Film Snork and Letterboxd. Um, at tw- at uh, I'm sorry, you can find me at Twitter and Letterboxd at Film Snork. And you can also listen to The Verse, which uh, if you uh, tune in, you a very timely holiday uh, special is coming your way, just in time for the holidays. Uh, a holiday. No, it's it's a uh, it's the end of year, you know, holiday seasonal special. It just took a long time to uh, to get out the door, but it is yeah. it is a I, I think it's the best episode yet, and a hell of a lot of fun and uh, entertaining. So Thanks. tune in. Cool. Uh, you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. You can find Awards Radar and all those things, especially if you want to tell me that I'm wrong for not liking Megan, despite you probably not having seen it yet. We didn't really get into that. We talked about it all off air. Uh, everyone loves Megan, but me, I was like somewhat indifferent to it. So, you know, I'm terrible at my job, I've been told. Um, but I'm my own boss, so uh, joke's on you guys. I make the decisions about who fires who. Um, that's not sour grapes at all. Um, in any event, we'll talk about probably Megan next week because you guys have seen it, I imagine, right? Oh, yeah, like right away. <laughs> I can't okay, wait. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, you guys will tell me why I'm wrong because I'm probably wrong, but it you know, wasn't really my thing. And uh, like I said, we'll talk about the Globe results. We'll do all that stuff next week. Hopefully uh, we won't all be sick next week, I guess, except to see. Bill. I will be sick. It's healthy now. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep giving this to each other. It's, uh, it's very Cronenberg of us. See, I, I brought it back to the beginning. All right, guys, we will do this uh, next week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening last year and continuing on this year. And, uh, you know, hopefully we made two hours disappear. Uh, we will see what the movie is. And, uh, you know, be, be safe because we're all sick. Like, you know, pay attention. Uh, take care, guys. See you at the movies. We'll be back next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.